0: Listen, we've made a terrible mistake.
1: Ladies, gay men, others. I just fainted. Seriously, my favorite part of this podcast. (laughs) Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that doesn't run to royalty in Chicago. (laughs) I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm
0: Tom Schneider. We
1: are properly married.
0: I don't see your wife anywhere.
1: Jeez, pipe down! It's because I don't have one. Oh
0: yeah, that's true.
1: I'm my own wife. Oh
0: yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a movie or something.
1: No, it was a uh, a one person show actually. Oh wow! It's about a transgendered person. Okay. I think from Germany. I think it was like I'm I'm Weimar. guessing Germany. Yeah. yeah. I saw <laughs> it, I saw it at uh, the Human Race Theater Company in Dayton, Ohio. Ooh. Starring one Bruce Cromer.
0: Oh wow! Will yeah. get up. <laughs> Dayton's uh, finest theater company. It is
1: Dayton's finest theater company. We heartily endorse them.
0: Yes, if you're in the neighborhood. Yes.
1: Uh, Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. It's been far too long. Oh, it sure has. I was so excited this morning when I woke up because I knew we were doing this, and I was just so excited. It's been too long. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been enough discussion on the Facebook page or on Twitter. I miss my cousins, yo. Yeah.
0: Likewise. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's it's just been... uh, weird almost it
1: has been really weird this has been such a constant in our lives for the past you know year or so
0: yeah and it you know it wasn't planned just some work things came up and yep
1: i i had to travel hither and yon and that makes it a little difficult to record podcasts
0: it does if you had just had to travel hither we would have been fine yes it was really the yawn it really was the yawn (laughs)
1: actually the yawn was really the the kicker (laughs) but regardless we're so thrilled to be back uh talking about mr selfridge yeah before we get Too involved. Let's catch up on our correspondence with telegrams from our cousins.
0: All right. Our first telegram comes from Cousin Scott, who writes, Hi, cousins. Your podcast always gets me thinking. In episodes one and two, I never saw Ms. Towers blackmailing Mr. Grove into hiring her brother. It seemed to me that she was embarrassed to ask, but thought that since Mr. Selfridge took a liking to her, maybe she could ask a favor in private. I think this scene says more about Mr. Grove than Ms. Towler. What did Ms. Towler have on Mr. Grove that she could even blackmail him with? Maybe Mr. Grove does have some skeletons, but I doubt Ms. Towler knows about any of it. All the talk about discretion made sense in that Mr. Grove surely doesn't want Ms. Towler blabbing to everyone that she got her brother hired. Not that she would. You are doing a great job with this, just as with Downton. I'm glad also that you like Jeremy Piven, who took somewhat of a drubbing from the New York Times. I think he really gets the character and all his vulnerabilities and is doing a great job. Indeed, this is a talented cast overall. In a way, it is the urban Downton Abbey with plenty of upstairs-downstairs perspectives. Oh, and does Mrs. Selfridge look uncannily like a young Sally Field or what? Your Kentucky cousin, Scott.
1: Well, last things first. Yes, yeah. she really does look like Sally Field. <laughs> that in is this. an
0: excellent call.
1: Yes. Yeah, we never thought that Miss Teller was blackmailing him either. Uh,
0: she did have something on him, which is that she saw him in some sort of intimate situation with Miss Martle, mm-hmm. who you'll notice named Miss Martle and not Mrs. Grove, hence scandal.
1: Yeah. Well, and we know from the the episodes where they were doing the hiring, you know, Interstaff love affairs are very much forbidden uh, mm-hmm. which is also a rule that is enforced by mr grove
0: yes so that's, that's an excellent point you know
1: remove the log from your own eye who mr. watches grove. the watchman right yeah mr grove <laughs> and true. probably mr Crab.
0: i mean the real problem is that there aren't any watchmen but we'll get to that yes we will get on. to that but, I mean, so what we think – we don't think of Ms. Toller as the type to blackmail. We think it was an inadvertent blackmailing that she was doing.
1: Yes. It was just, you know, a coincidence. And he was – you're correct. He was putting the onus of blackmail on her right. and thinking that that was why she was asking. But mm-hmm. we think it's more that, you know, she thinks that Mr. Selfridge did her a kindness and she needs another kindness. Yeah. So, yeah. Next, we have a telegram from Cousin Becca. Hi, Tom and Kelly. I discovered your podcast around the time when Series 3 of Downton Abbey ended, so I'm a relative newcomer to Up Yours Downstairs. I just want to say thanks. I needed a way to satisfy my Downton cravings until the next series, and you guys more than fit the bill, so hopefully I can stretch your casts out long enough. I've also been noting your recommendations and references to other books, films, etc. connected with the show to supplement. I've been going in chronological order since your first podcast, and it's killing me to wait to hear what you have to say about Series 3's tragedies. I was never the person who could read the ending of a book first. Your podcast happens to be the first TV podcast I ever downloaded or listened to, and I liked it so much I thought, wow, I must be missing out on an amazing world of TV podcasts. I subsequently downloaded a couple of podcasts to check out for another show I adore, Mad Men. However, to put it nicely, they suck balls. You guys are one in a million. Best wishes, Cousin Becca. <laughs> well, thank you. We like to think we're kind of special.
0: We, we do. And we'd also be interested to hear how you would put it non-nicely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would be very interested in that because I could use some more swear words in yeah, my
0: vocab. There you go. Uh,
1: yeah. And we don't know which uh, podcast you downloaded for Mad Men. Our parent... Podcast network, baldmove at baldmove.com. That's right. They do have a Mad Men podcast called the Mad Men Happy Hour. So you may want to check them out. Yeah. Uh, you know, we generally endorse them. So, right. That might, might be just what you're looking for.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of TV podcasts out there. So just, uh,
1: be patient.
0: Know, yeah. Look around. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in six months, when you listen to this episode, <laughs> uh, that's some good tips for but you. But
1: hey. Good on you for not reading the end of a book first. That is the correct way to read a book. That is true. That, that's why they number the pages. Indeed.
0: So you don't get confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, we have a telegram from Cousin Laurie, who writes, Greetings, cousins. I found your podcast a few weeks ago and am enjoying it immensely. Your creative interpretation of the goings-on in the Abbey truly add to my enjoyment of the story. Keep up the good work. My question relates to a scene in the last episode you covered, Season 3, Episode 6. It bothered me when I watched it, and again when you mentioned it during your recap. Anna runs out onto the grounds with good news for Mary and Edith regarding Mr. Bates' imminent release. While Mary and Edith both seem happy about the development, they all three just stand there awkwardly smiling. Was it totally frowned upon to hug a servant? Anna dresses these women, does their hair, and listens to their secrets. Are they not allowed to touch her to offer some congratulations, encouragement, or support? Upstairs and downstairs mingle without incident at the servants' ball, and Sybil must have touched Branson a few times. I would have liked to see a little more feeling in that scene. Any insights? Thanks for giving me hours of entertainment every week. Yours in curiosity, Cousin Laurie.
1: So I did try to look into this and Mm -hmm. see what the etiquette was, but I couldn't find anything myself. So what do we do when we can't find it on the internet?
0: We ask Evangeline Holland. We
1: do ask Evangeline Holland of the excellent website EdwardianPromenade.com. So, Tom, tell us what Evangeline had to say.
0: Evangeline writes, Hi, Kelly. Affectionate touching in public wasn't the done thing, even between people of equal rank. Excessive emotion was deemed vulgar and of the lower classes. Since there was a social and linguistic boundary between the upper classes and their servants, it would be difficult to breach the physical boundary. Ergo, hugging, holding hands, etc. was a big no-no. Remember Mrs. Hughes's shock when Gwen and Branson hugged Sybil? And Carson's holding Mary and her permitting him to hold her at the end of series one revealed the depths of their relationship, though you never saw Carson break that boundary ever again. He even seemed to hold himself more stiffly around Mary.
1: Yeah, so there you go, Cousin Laurie. Sorry it took so long for us to get back to you on that. But we strive for the best possible answer to people's questions. That is correct. Uh, This seemed like as good of a time as any to mention our email address, which is upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, a.k.a. Carrier Pigeon, at 5 Maggie Smiths. That's the number Mm 5 Maggie Smiths. Uh, And then you can also find us on Facebook. Just search Up Yours Downstairs. We are always happy to field any and all questions and answer them to the the best of our ability. That's right. Next we have a telegram from Dame Fee who writes, Dear Kelly and Tom, I saw the movie that Mr. Stevens was in, Vamps, with Alicia Silverstone and Kristen Ritter. Oh. I cannot believe how ridiculous this movie is and just how much of a complete and total jackass he is for leaving Downton. Honestly, I have a feeling that he won't have much of a career. I keep seeing Matthew Crawley in every scene of this movie. I swear Mary is just around the corner bitching up the place. Proceeds to laugh at her own lame joke. (laughs) Okay, bitching aside, love, love Mr. Selfridge. I think Jeremy Piven plays it well, and to be honest, I can't stand Ellen Love. Oh, well, I thought I'd send a message since I haven't in a while. Have a great night and can't wait for the new episode tomorrow night. Dame Fee. Well, thank you, Dame Fee. Yes. Our uh, our feelings on Dan Stevens are pretty well established. That's
0: true. But I'm sorry, Alicia Silverstone?
1: Okay. The deal with that movie is Amy Heckling, who okay. was the writer and director of Clueless, right. wrote this movie called Vamps. And she and Alicia Silverstone are kind of in the same boat in that <laughs> they can't really get work anymore. Right. So I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm generally interested in vampires. And Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, but yeah, so that's that's how that worked out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's nothing personal against Alicia Silverstone, who I'm sure is a very but nice person. But the point person. is, Dan Stevens
1: if, left the, one of the most critically acclaimed television shows in history. Yeah, to go be in a third tier Hollywood movie. Yeah, that did not get a wide release, as far as I know. Yeah,
0: that's. I mean, this is the first I've and heard. And I mean, of it. you
1: know, granted, you know, the uh, the entertainment business is fickle. Yeah, yeah. You can sign up for something and get under contract, and then you know once it comes to fruition, you're like, oh my god, why did I do this? Yeah, yeah. But again, we just you know we agree, I you know perhaps in less strong terms the dame <laughs> fee. We just don't see how you know Dan Stevens is going to carve out a niche for himself. There's just nothing super remarkable about him.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know he's not a Hemsworth. so i just i don't all the
0: jobs are going to Hemsworth anymore they
1: look they're from australia american audiences prefer australian leading men
0: it's true and he's
1: not villainous enough to be a villain a la cumberbatch so
0: well it's uh it's all up to him and his representation now so yeah well (laughs) next we have a telegram from cousin chuck who writes at the risk of boring everyone i'll send this as a message i was making what." I was making my way through all of your podcasts—I only found out about them recently, and have downloaded them all— and got to your first Tom Repeats History Fashion Backwards episode, and you mentioned that you both have tried out for and auditioned for Jeopardy a few times, obviously with no luck. After listening to the both of you, I have to wonder what the heck they're looking for. I've been to the in-person audition seven times now—my first was in 96—and I'm in the same boat as you. But heck, if you two have been found wanting, what chance do I have? I'm just a boring middle-aged guy— but hey, I'll keep on plugging and see what happens. Thanks for doing an excellent and thoroughly enjoyable job with the podcast, and I'll be looking forward to the rest of your Selfridge thoughts. Cousin Chuck.
1: And Cousin Chuck was also the cousin who uh, brought this up on our Facebook page. In case you're wondering if you are a Jeopardy fan, yes. This past week, the John Anakin who was on Jeopardy and won... Three games in a row mm-hmm. is, in fact, uh, my younger brother, John Anakin. That's right. Uh, he is, in fact, related to us. So yeah. that's that's an answer to that question.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I was at the tapings. Tom
1: was indeed at the tapings.
0: Yeah. It, it, it was very exciting. Like, I can't even tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't really know. You know, Jeopardy, they kind of keep their selection process pretty hush-hush. Yeah,
0: it's shrouded in mystery.
1: Yeah. And, you know... As far as I can tell boring middle-aged guys have a way better chance of getting on than I ever have. <laughs> so may just be, you know, more of you trying out. But yeah. good luck, Captain yeah, Chuck. Yeah. Keep trying. Yes. We will as well. Maybe we'll go head to head someday. Ho ho and finally we have a telegram from mrs grant dear sir tom and lady kelly it's been a while since i last wrote i have been enjoying all your podcasts on downton season three and mr selfridge there are a few things that you guys do that never fail to make me laugh really loud one whenever kelly says listeners are you blank have you ever blanked (laughs) if so we would like to hear your story number two whenever kelly says life is a (laughs) beautiful (laughs) number three whenever kelly changes lyrics to a song to fit the show and went on to sing for far too long sorry tom this was all kelly you made me laugh mainly by your reactions to the above items you guys are so cute together So I just came across this video on YouTube. It's by makeup artist Lisa Eldridge. She took an interest in vintage makeup and interviewed this lady named Madeline Marsh, who wrote a book called Compacts and Cosmetics, Beauty from Victorian Times to the Present Day, which I'm definitely going to read. You should put it on your Amazon wishlist for us to buy you one. I love the idea by one of the cousins, by the way. You put so much time into these podcasts that entertain me so much. It's the least I could do. There is another one from her that shows 20s makeup gear, and it mentioned an interesting book, too, called War Paint that's it can't wait for your next mr selfridge podcast your humble housekeeper mrs grant well congratulations mrs grant you have once again secured the title of cousin of the week here here primarily because you are the only person who has written in about what i'm always saying are you blank <laughs> have you ever blanked because that is also my favorite part of this podcast <laughs> i don't know why yeah i just love it <laughs> uh but also thank you for pointing us to these great uh videos and these books. Obviously, cosmetics is a big to-do in the world of Mr. Selfridge. So this is timed perfectly. Yes. And that does it for telegrams from our cousins. Mm -hmm. Keep them coming, cousins. You have such great insights and questions. We love hearing from you. Absolutely. So that brings us to our podcast about Mr. Selfridge, episodes three and four. Now, this is the British three and four. Right. This is on PBS episodes two and three. Correct. So... Just so we're on the same page.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't want any confusion.
1: Exactly. Can we talk? Yes. Can we talk about Viking River Cruises for a second, though?
0: I, I would like to.
1: More or less irritating, the Laura Linney.
0: I I have to say more because it's the same thing. It is the every same thing. week, and it
1: does, I mean, Laura Linney hasn't even showed up. You know. No, I know. Like, like at least just... she's like, okay, you know what? I <laughs> you know, let's not gild a lily.
0: <laughs> Listen, we've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> She finally found her way out of that room. She did?
1: Oh, good for her. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> She'd been walking around it for months. <laughs> but yeah, Viking River Cruises. And it's such a, like, it seems like it's a parody of something. Just the, No, it feels the, like an the,
1: SNL fake commercial. Uh,
0: yeah, to the announcers. It's like uh, uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous guy, you know? What yeah, that Robin Leach. Yeah. It's like that guy's doing the announcements or something. It's,
1: well, he's talking about, like, you're going on these river cruises is like oh you know having the feeling only a river can give you and i'm like what's that disappointment uh, right i grew up right near a river and like rivers are the worst bodies of water well, th- i think th- we th- can all agree
0: we can agree on that and also when it's like sea cities from a different angle like in the industrial docks area right? like the best part of cities is generally not you know
1: do they to- have you know a seashore right that's generally it
0: yeah uh so anyway vikings River, viking river cruises uh screw you
1: yeah also screw you ralph lauren oh yeah like just fuck off dude
0: yeah here here
1: so that's how we feel about pbs's sponsors <laughs> can we also complain for a minute sorry i've been holding all these grievances in <laughs> for weeks yes and i couldn't share them uh the pbs video player mm-hmm. what the shit is that <laughs> oh my god it is the worst
0: it, it is the only good thing about it is that it has subtitles, and I like that a lot, mm-hmm. but everything else is so terrible. No,
1: well, they, they shoehorn the commercials in...
0: Just at random times.
1: Or, I mean, they're not... Well, but it has, assume, an, it has the episodes broken up into, like, chapters.
0: Well, I assume... And I didn't check. I assume it's just, like, at the exact 20-minute yeah. mark or whatever. So it Or just if comes, you try
1: to skip ahead, it'll make you watch an ad.
0: Yeah, but it'll just... In the middle of a scene... It'll just suddenly cut off and yeah. show an ad, and it.
1: Well, and then it'll like be buffering or something, and then like we had to watch the whole last part of episode four, like just completely screwed up. Yeah, like, it was just so stupid. Well, because
0: when it gets behind, it doesn't like just stop and wait until it gets rebuffered. It like like the sound will keep going while the videos stop, uh-huh. and then it'll all like fast forward for a second. It's really weird. Yes. Yeah,
1: so uh, yeah, maybe we should all write into them. About their dumb video player. (laughs) Like, you know there's people who will just let you use their video player for money, right? You would think. No. Anyway. Silly PBS. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, episode three opens on Ellen Love singing a dumb song (laughs) about a honeysuckle.
0: That is her job.
1: It is the most awkward thing ever. Yeah. Well, because
0: Mr. Selfridge is sitting there... Because he's sitting there the way you do when somebody is giving a performance for one, where it's like, "Yeah, this is great."
1: Oh, like when you get mad at me when I sing songs to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. He
1: makes that exact face. I do. He's got like, like that frozen smile, like, <laughs> "Oh God, I want to die." When do I get to stop smiling
0: <laughs> and start having sex with you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> After this podcast.
0: <laughs> Excellent. No, and you can tell it's uh, they're, they're still in the honeymoon phase of their relationship because you know they bother with the whole like sexy dancing thing and don't just like get right down to it yeah
1: well and but even ugh, like she's just being so gross like when i sing to you i don't like dance.
0: no 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 let's let's you be know? clear this is it's a whole nother league what ellen love I'm is just, doing ugh,
1: it's it's gross it's yeah. just very distasteful i don't like it
0: that's i mean it's her whole profession in life to dance and sing in a baby voice in front of men ugh. i yeah 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 she's the worst <laughs> Uh, we learned that Ellen Love, surprisingly, not her real name.
1: Oh, my. She
0: uh, was originally named Joyce Humphreys.
1: Which isn't a terrible name.
0: You know, if you Like, sti-
1: Humphreys isn't great, but...
0: Yeah, and I was like, you know what? If you were still named Joyce Humphreys, you might have a steady job.
1: That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Uh, she she was told that her singing was great, but her name was terrible, so she came up. She had an hour to come up with a name. So you know what? With Ellen Love isn't bad if you only had an hour.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think Joyce love would have been fine. I like the name Joyce. Well, yeah. Cousins, are you named Joyce? (laughs) Have you ever known someone named Joyce? If so, we want to hear your story. (laughs) There we go. Seriously, my favorite part of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All I wrote is poor Agnes. I don't know why. Well,
0: we... uh... Her father is
1: in there. Shows oh, up, right. shows he up, sacked. fired and drunk. Yeah, yeah, like me that time. <laughs> it's not true. I know. I've never been drunk and fired at the you've, same you've time. Been drunk and quit. I have been <laughs> drunk and quit. Best decisions I've ever made. Yes,
0: uh, but he's he's there, and she asks if he's been drinking. Though she doesn't really have to ask; it's quite clear. Yes, and he complains about, like, says something about how butter wouldn't melt in her mouth.
1: Again, that makes sense in the definition that I always had in my brain, which is like, oh, you're like such a good person. I don't know what your moral compass has to do with butter melting in your mouth or not.
0: Well, I don't think butter would melt in his mouth either because it would just be dissolved by the gin.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't even make it past his lips. Um, no, but I mean, if the implication is that she's like a cold bitch, like... It makes sense for him, like, but she she never strikes me as cold. Agreed. She strikes me as potentially on the autism spectrum. Uh, yeah, but I think that about everybody.
0: Yeah, but I think uh, I think Mr. Towler's drunken rantings maybe don't stand up to that much scrutiny.
1: Well, which is fine, but he is not the first person to say that about her. Mm. Like everybody says it about her at least one time.
0: Well, and it's I don't know. It kind of strikes me as almost. It's interesting to me because because basically what it's saying is that she doesn't show her emotions, which I'm like, but this is Britain, you're supposed to like be supporting that, yeah, but then so uh, to what extent is that uh is 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 that is it just a class thing, or what, but you know i don't know
1: i well, I just think she's just hard to get a beat on, yeah, period, yeah. I mean, I had a hard time that's, getting a beat yeah, on that's like true I love the character now, mm-hmm. and I, we should also know, you know we're caught up with the series, right. Uh,
0: so we know a bit more uh, than we we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I really like her character very, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I w- But I wasn't sure what to think of her initially.
0: Right, no, that's true. So. I, I agree, yeah. Uh, then I think we see Mr. Selfridge back at his uh, actual home. Mm-hmm. He, he asks Mrs. Selfridge to help him with his collar or tie or something. The new
1: collar, he says it's stiff.
0: Yeah, and uh, he... He could really use a valet He really
1: could use a valet.
0: That'd come in handy with those stiff collar situations.
1: Uh, speaking of stiff collars, <laughs> Mrs. Selfridge was uh, gazing lovingly at the sketch that she got from that artist guy. I keep calling him fake Gyllenhaal <laughs> because he looks like the British version of Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: <laughs> that is so accurate.
1: <laughs> uh, anyway, so she's keeping that in her dressing table drawer and, and you know, looking at it since ever, like it's so weird it's like oh you know it's edwardian england so instead of having sex with a chorus girl she's imagining what it might be like to masturbate yeah to the thought of this guy sketching her right. at the national gallery like, yeah she's,
0: it's it's not like if it was a picture of the guy then maybe it's like oh yeah there you are buddy but no it's
1: a picture of her mm-hmm. yeah she needs therapy <laughs> she does Yes, and you know, one thing that I'm thinking, and like, in the spirit of full disclosure, cousins, I don't even know how I feel about telling you this. I think I like Mr. Selfridge more than Downton Abbey. Look, I I mean, it's, I, I, I,
0: I'm not arguing with you. Is the thing?
1: Jeremy Piven's acting is not on par with the acting that's going on on Downton Abbey. Right. But the supporting cast around him is so strong mm-hmm. that it almost doesn't matter at all. Yeah. The kids are awful. The, yeah. Like, the, the, kid- the acting on the kids' behalf is pretty terrible, except yeah. for Rosalie. But and and I would say, I mean, I
0: think the overall, I'd, I'd give the edge on on acting to Downton Abbey by absolutely, a notch, definitely. And you know, it's it's to an extent it's prettier to look at, but I think you know, if if Downton Abbey was only season one, that would be one thing. But yeah. if you look at the series as a whole compared to just this series of of Mr. Yeah, and, and they
1: did get renewed for a second series. Right. We don't know, you know, they might get in the old sophomore slump as well. Right. But Although,
0: you know, the, the problem with Downton was they had a very specific central storyline. That's true. Whereas Mr. Salvage really doesn't. It's just, you know, whatever. Yeah, is I mean, going you know, the, the store. store is
1: one thing but there's all these other characters and it's also, it's, it's so fascinating to me because it's, a much more optimist you know it's it's the complete polar opposite of Downton Abbey mm-hmm. Downton Abbey is the story of a uh, society in decline right whereas this is the story of a society in ascent. Mm-hmm. this is about the middle class this is about you know the aristocracy that we see is Lady May yeah and I mean she you know she was a gaiety girl yeah and I mean, she's she's learning how to work the decline of the aristocracy to her advantage yeah
0: I mean she she virtually personifies the, the end of the old system
1: yeah yeah, she really does. And, you know, you're just seeing uh, much more diversity mm-hmm. in terms of sort of people's goals and where they come from. Yeah. And I just, I like this story mm-hmm. so much more. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a story about women, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. That's what I think is so fascinating. You know, it's yeah. called Mr. Selfridge, mm-hmm. but he's kind of a cipher. Yeah. You know, I mean, it. you know, there's, there's not really much... He's to him.
0: He's a huckster. He like, is a that's, huckster. That's what he is, and yeah.
1: and the women surrounding him. I mean, the men as well. There are some interesting male characters, mm-hmm. but I mean, this is this is not about women. You know, butting up against the restrictions of the society that they live in. It's about women taking control and redefining their roles. Mm-hmm. I think Cousin Scott's characterization of it as sort of the urban right. Downton Abbey is apt. Right. But it's like you know all of the opportunities that we sort of saw. Sybil and Edith take advantage of. Mary not so much. As we've discussed, right. she seems very dedicated to this whole broodmare situation. <laughs> yeah, um, But, I mean, you know, those trickle down to the country. Yeah. Well, and it's
0: the, you know, they, they can try out these new roles sort of just as a, a whim, a thing to try out for themselves. But for all these
1: other women, it's a risk. Yeah.
0: And it's it's, you know, it's really their lives that they're taking into their own hands. Mm-hmm. Whereas Edith, all due respect to Edith, is just sort of playing around, you know. Her life is basically gonna be the same.
1: Well maybe not. Well Well, as I mean yeah. She decides to shack up with that editor. That's true. That's a whole different thing. It
0: is a whole different thing. Uh, She'll still be rich.
1: Oh yeah, she will definitely (laughs) still (laughs) be rich. Um yeah so anyway uh we'll see you know how this season plays out but i just right. and again and i think i said this in the first episode just because of my retail background
0: mm-hmm.
1: i just get so excited yeah you know cuz i used to work at Crabtree & Evelyn and one of our number one best selling items in the my tenure mm-hmm. there was our lily of the valley perfume yeah and and just kind of seeing these things the inception of all these things mm-hmm. granted they you know they are rendered almost meaningless today because people do not want the same level of customer service as they expected at this time. Mm -hmm. I was saying to a friend of ours last night, we were talking about the show and I was like, oh, you know, you know, retail needs another Mr. Selfridge. But then I was like, maybe we already have one and it's called the internet. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure we'll ever see another revolution in customer service the way that we're seeing portrayed on Mr. Selfridge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: regardless, and I'm sure, you know, there's a fair number of people who listen to this podcast who've put in some time in the, in the trenches at the local (laughs) mall or the strip mall. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I'm really fascinated by how all of this came to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, are you in retail? Have <laughs> you ever been fascinated by how <laughs> retail got started? If so, we want to hear your story. Yeah, that's my last one. All I'm right, done.
0: yeah, you yeah, no, you don't want to don't no, want to no, no, wear no. it out. Comedy yeah.
1: comes in threes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, what I'll say about Downton Two is, you know, acting a notch up, uh, and I would say that it has sort of more. It's more heightened, uh, you know, in terms of like the emotions and the stakes and things like that.
1: Yeah, but I think this functions better as a soap opera. Okay, I beca- I don't know. Well, I
0: think I think this one's more of a soap opera as opposed to more of a melodrama. You know, which is like, what
1: you're saying, *Downton Abbey*. Is. Yeah, I yeah, and yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I like about this, in terms of like being a traditional soap opera, is that there is that element of upward mobility. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, and part of that is just the fact that my soap opera was *Passions*. <laughs> yeah, with little Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald slowly sleeping with everyone named crane uh (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) she did (laughs) uh
0: for those of you that are watching years old episodes of passions right now it could
1: happen (laughs) uh no but i mean it is it is that upward mobility thing and you don't get that in downton abbey because, I mean, he kind of right. maybe for Matthew Crawley, but he's so clearly not really, like, a POV character on that show.
0: It's not upward mobility. It's like he was transported upward, but, you know, like, not through... Yeah,
1: his- he didn't... Yeah, because that's the thing. Well, it's the same thing as, like, on a telenovela, like, Ugly Betty or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, You know, you have this protagonist. I mean, in this case, I think, you know, the clear analog is, like, Miss Towler. Right, right. Who, you know, through hard work and dedication, improves her station
0: mm-hmm.
1: beyond her wildest dreams. Yeah. So... Anyway, these are our comparisons between Downton Abbey <laughs> and Mr. Selfridge.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, I would definitely, I assume that they're going to be those of our cousins who feel strongly that Downton is the superior show, show as you're all Downton Abbey fans. Mm-hmm. And I would I would like to hear that point of view. Yeah, Anybody absolutely. I definitely like case. to know.
1: And again, you know, we haven't seen Mr. Selfridge in its entirety yet. Right. So we may change our minds. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, right now it's, it's, looking, it's looking pretty good yeah. for Mr. Selfridge.
0: Okay. Uh, so we get to Selfridge's itself, the store, uh, and we just have the most dramatically scored of shots of hats being arranged mm-hmm. that I have ever seen.
1: Oh, have you arranged a hat? Because I have. <laughs> and it is exciting. Apparently
0: so. Yes. And Mr. Selfridge is gathering his, his best and brightest around him to discuss his new plans.
1: Well, because we've seen him cross through the, the thoroughfare uh, and get his, you know, feet all mucked up by horse muck. Yes. Because le- he's like he's, he like, he's like, damn horses! <laughs> yeah. Which I could, re- you know, if I had been alive at the time, I'd be like, oh, these horseless carriages, man. No poop. It's yeah. the best thing ever.
0: Yeah. Like hipsters still <laughs> riding horses. <laughs> Uh, you just get a warmer sound with horses.
1: Excuse me, I almost had a spit take. <laughs> warmer sound. <laughs> yes, uh,
0: but he has gathered uh, Grove and Martle and whoever else up uh, sort of on the balcony overlooking the, the sales floor. I think Crab
1: is there and Miss Bunting. I think those okay. are. Those are his heads of, of departments. Mm hmm.
0: Uh, and he would like to move perfume out from the deep, dark recesses that it is apparently currently in uh, down to the front of the store. This is shocking. I
1: love the facial expressions on the women in particular, but the mm-hmm. men too. Every time he proposes a new idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would literally think that he proposed like, you know, somebody having um, sex on the sales oh, right. floor.
0: Nude day. <laughs> <laughs> People well, come they in nude, d- you know they're walking out with clothes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they did ask what he was doing after the airplane. <laughs> How do you top that, except yeah. with nudity?
0: <laughs> uh, yes, but they say that... Uh, <laughs>
1: you find mm-hmm. out that Mr. Grove is a never-nude. <laughs> there are literally dozens of <laughs> us!
0: <clears throat> yes. But uh, they, they say that uh, perfume is a woman's secret, and thus it shouldn't be out in public. And to which I say... If it's a, if it's not working, if it's a secret, like, perfu- you have, like, makeup can be a secret, sure. you know, hair pieces, yes, but, you but perfume. you can smell
1: perfume. It's, yeah, like. The presence and it, or absence of perfume is pretty evident.
0: Yeah, and if you can't smell it, then why are you even wearing it? Like, that's the, but anyway, the point is that it, beauty products are supposed to be secret. It's, yes, it's, they're, they're, they're very controversial and, uh, and shameful, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But Mr. Selfridge's primary concern is covering up the smell of horse shit right. that is wafting into his store from the street. Uh, which, in general, I think I approve of. Mm-hmm.
0: And he's just generally a forward looking person, and he sees that that's the way the trends are going mm-hmm. uh, that these things are becoming more and more accepted. And
1: he proposes potentially uh, bringing makeup. And putting the makeup down with perfume. And if you've been to a department store Mm -hmm. uh, in recent years, (laughs) you know exactly how this is going to turn out eventually. Right. But they're even more scandalized by the idea of makeup. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he he does a very smart thing. I do always enjoy seeing him... Sort of shoot down everyone's objections because he asks Miss Martle and Miss Bunting if they used face cream. Mm. And, you know, uh, Miss Bunting says yes, and Miss Martle just, I really like Miss Martle as well. Yeah. She's another one that I wasn't sure how I felt about, but she just goes, yes, of course. She's like, why, are, this is not the point. <laughs> right. The point is not what I am doing. The point is how perception is going to be, you know, yeah. out among the public. Yeah. But, uh, Mr. Selfridge says that, uh, no, no, no. Monsieur Leclerc. Oh. Uh, we need to talk about Monsieur Leclerc. <laughs> oh, my God. Ladies, gay men, others, <laughs> that dude is smoking hot. Oh, my God. I'm not arguing. If he was a real person, Tom, you would be toast. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he would want with me. Right. But if he was just suddenly, you know, struck blind or something. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> well, you might have a way with, you know, window dressing. You
1: know what I do, actually?
0: You, I, you do. I
1: do, in fact, have a really... I've got a flair for the visual merchandising. So you
0: could start a conversation about that. Oh, I certainly could. Go. Oh,
1: Monsieur LeClaire. <laughs> Actually, I'll call him Mr. LeClaire, which I kind of like better.
0: Yeah, yeah. It
1: flows a little bit better. All right. Uh, anyway, but he says that he has a friend coming from New York who works for an advertising agency so that they can kind of pick her brain and see, you know, what, what's what with cosmetics. Right, right. What are the trends?
0: Yeah, so it's it's nice because uh you know, we do see Mr. Selfridge like he, he picks and chooses how he's going to run roughshod over his staff. Yes. You know,
1: he, he He's a very smart guy. Yeah, yeah there was something about furs yes so miss blankensop 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 is the best blankensop is my co-pilot if i haven't already said that you might have but i might have but uh, it bears repeating i think uh she comes in and tells mr selfridge that ellen love is in the store and she can't decide between the fox and the beaver
0: (laughs) and i'm like there's got to be a joke there i'm just not coming up with it
1: it's disturbing i think (laughs) you're wise to steer clear yeah uh yeah so as if it wasn't awkward enough for ellen love to be doing her dumb song and dance routine for mr Selfridge in the privacy of her own slut apartment (laughs) she's doing it for the whole staff and the customers and i'm like what a bitch
0: yeah uh and one of the two I can never remember their names. Okay, the
1: ginger is named Kitty. Okay. And I believe the other one is named Doris. All right.
0: Uh, who are... I? And again, still haven't seen the whole series, but they're definitely like the most one-note kind of wh- who are these people and what are they doing They here? don't really
1: bother me that much, though.
0: I mean, they don't bother me a lot, but they bother me a little. Okay. Um, in any case, they're watching, and uh, I think it's Kitty uh, starts dancing sort of... Uh, in imitation of Ellen Love. Yeah. Which Mr. Selfridge, as he comes down, sees and is very like... Uh, yeah.
1: That's my awkward dancing! <laughs> right. Only I may have it!
0: Yes, uh, but but Ellen Love sees him and invites him to dance with her. In front of everyone. Uh, and he does the old, oh no, I can't, I can oh well, alright, you know. Which, I mean, and to be fair, it was clear that's, that's how he had to play it at that point, obviously.
1: Yeah. You know, he couldn't just say, oh, God, I'm sorry, everyone. The spirit of Selfridges is a brazen hussy <laughs> and will be summarily executed. <laughs> I am so sorry for the inconvenience.
0: <laughs> Selfridges' store, Selfridges' law.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Selfridges' law.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at this point, his mother... <laughs> it's all isn't that always the way
1: personified
0: yeah and he actually he, she comes in and is just so everybody else is so ha, ha ha we're having fun and she's just like so he sees her in the mirror he sees her in the mirror like is she a ghost like it's, it's yeah <laughs> she's very uh she's 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 a real downer yeah about the whole thing
1: but i like her as a character oh yeah yeah because the next thing that we see is them in the Palm Court restaurant mm-hmm. and she's like, uh, hey, listen, I know you're scam, Harry. <laughs> right. You need to make sure and have a professional relationship with this woman if you want her to endorse your products. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, totes. Yeah. Like, Super, prof- uh, buying an apartment for someone, that's professional, right? That's really... Right. It helps her prepare for her duties. As, uh, as
0: the spirit of, yeah, well, anyway. Spirit
1: of a pants! Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah and so that's that's great great advice for three months ago there yeah about ellen laws you
1: really i'm surprised that she wouldn't have like come on like knowing what we know by the end of this episode as far as like you know Mm -hmm. uh rose's awareness of his sort of tendencies yeah like his mom has to know like she's seen him you know his entire life you know banging his way from sea to shining (laughs) sea i would think as would i I don't know what this is referring to, but I wrote down, it's just Ellen Love, not cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe her disapproval of Ellen Love. I, like, I guess
0: that would, that, that would make sense. Yeah, She's a, a cancer on his uh, family life.
1: Yeah, and reputation. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so next, we have another staff meeting with Valerie morell who is uh, Mr. LeClaire's friend from New York. Yes. So she comes in and starts discussing the various kinds of cosmetics that they could stock. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Selfridge, you know, he wants them above the counter. So she starts out pretty simply, you know, with powder. She's like, you know, this is accepted. Everybody uses powder. Right. Uh, then she pulls out the rouge <laughs> and uh, intimates that they are, uh, that rouge is primarily used by actresses and ladies of the night. <laughs> right. Although she does...
0: At which Mr. Selfridge says, the two aren't necessarily the same, which... Uh, they
1: no are. one... Yeah, at yeah. this particular moment in time, yeah.
0: Yes, as you have been busily proving. Exactly.
1: <laughs> then, oh man, she pulls out the big guns. She pulls out the lipstick.
0: I just fainted.
1: I know. The lipstick <laughs> gives everyone the vapors. <laughs> I mean, li- just but, literally, yeah. they all recoil it's like she's pulled out a spitting cobra <laughs> in the middle of this meeting or like
0: a vibrator like
1: you know what but it's so awesome i love this scene because mm. again and the show is scripted by women kate O'Reardon and kate
0: uh jordan i think but okay. i could be wrong about that
1: um she says you know women wear lipstick because when women are aroused Uh, blood brushes to their lips and seeing that gives men a sexual reaction she just says that yeah like it's 2013 (laughs) oh right you know at a good vibrations demonstration (laughs) or something like that uh and it's just it's incredible just everybody's like "Ah, my my freaking ears (laughs) yeah and so, you know, they, they don't really come to a consensus at this point. She's just kind of there to, to give them the facts.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, they really, like, Mr. Crab's like, I've never had a sexual response in my life and I don't intend to start now.
1: <laughs> Mrs. Crab wouldn't allow it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and she she says that it's generally used by prostitutes or suffragettes. Yeah, which I also like that little yeah. pairing there.
1: And nobody says that those two things are not the same. <laughs> that's true. So well, I saw Iron Jawed Angels. I know what's up. Uh, sure. Oh, we could do that. Oh yeah,
0: that's true. Anyway,
1: <laughs> that's that's a note for us cousins. <laughs> Hope you like Hillary Swank. <laughs> nobody does. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. So then, do we cut to? Monsieur Leclerc in bed, or is there something between there? Um, I think we're we're at the Selfridges. Yeah, now and th- Rosalie comes into the sitting room. They have amazing sitting room furniture. They do love it. I, I would buy it now.
0: I love their home, and I, I was noticing how non-Victorian it was, and that there isn't crap everywhere. Yeah, and it occurred to me actually that even though this is, it occurred to me as a contrast with. I'm playing on a name, but the 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 Crawleys aunt uh that lives in london Ros- rosamond rosamond yeah because her place is very cluttered if you recall when they're having when they had dinner there with uh the,
1: right yeah like yeah, it was yeah, still yeah.
0: very kind of victorian looking mm-hmm. which i just struck was well, just noticing. She's older exactly and i mean we know
1: you know if we know anything about mr selfridge is that he always has to be up to the minute mm-hmm. um but i think also i mean you know this isn't a legacy type home
0: Right. Because, you know, we don't know,
1: you know, Mr. Painswick or uh, was was he a lord? I don't. Okay, anyway, so, but you know, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Painswick, you know, that house may well have been in his family. We know mm-hmm. that the Abbey has been in the family forever. Right. So, you know, you just rack up all this crap antique <laughs> yeah. furniture, and you know, your mom just keeps embroidering these stupid pillows, <laughs> and it's like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. But the Selfridge House is very, it's very minimalist. It,
0: yeah. I mean, and very streamlined. I yeah. mean, it's
1: still opulent,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but God, the turquoise you know, furniture in the sitting room. Just, oh, somebody buy that for me. (laughs) Uh, But Rosalie is kind of bummed out because all of her sisters and her brother are off at school and she has nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Rose suggests that maybe they will enroll her in a finishing school. But Rosalie has other ideas. Mm -hmm. She would like to do the season. Oh, Uh, and you know, Rose is, Uh, You know, she's like, I don't know. We're Americans. They don't like us. Right. Uh, But Rosalie says a lot of American girls are doing it now. Yeah. So.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And Rosalie, I think they have very strict rules about these things.
1: I like how just unsure she is about everything. Yeah. She's a great character. She is. She's a fantastic character.
0: Yeah. Well, and she does it very well in terms of, just in terms of her life in that society. She is unsure, but she, she... She makes it clear that she's unsure of herself in a way that doesn't make her seem, like, weak and flustered. Yeah, she doesn't
1: seem incompetent.
0: Right. She's just like, this is new to me. I'm going to be upfront about that. Right. But I'll, you know, I'll learn. So, yeah, like her a lot.
1: Okay, so then I think we get to see <laughs> yeah. Mr. LeClaire in bed with uh, Miss Morell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're an item, apparently. Yeah. Uh, they are most definitely in bed together. Oh, yeah. This is the raciest show I've ever seen on PBS, by the way.
0: I guess you're right.
1: Yeah, later somebody gets called a bitch.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, it's. it's... We already
0: had the whole discussion about sexual responses. Exactly. It's yeah. very,
1: very, like, outre. <laughs> Uh, so they're in bed post coitus smoking a cigarette. He wants her to go to get dinner with him, but she says she's meeting with clients. Mm -hmm. So she's clearly a big, important business lady. She is. Uh, she tells him to come to New York with her and work there. And he says that he can't. He promised Harry that he would see him through the first year. Yeah. So, you know, this is. And this, this is, is
0: all in French, by the way.
1: Oh, so sexy. Yeah. Very sexy scene.
0: Yeah. Oh, and by the way, some of you may remember seeing the actress playing Ms. Morelle, uh from Julian Fellow's Titanic.
1: Yes, yeah, she was Madame Aubert. Yeah. Who was the mistress of Guggenheim? maybe i can't
0: somebody's remember. mistress yeah we, you know
1: it was one of the tycoons and i can't remember right. his name and obviously we didn't bother looking it up yeah, so
0: because we don't care come
1: we on. really don't care but it was the scene where the his valet and her lady's maid came in after the the ship had struck the iceberg mm-hmm. and they were like uh hey we're all gonna die and he was like don't you ever come in here again <laughs> and it was dumb yeah and then he died so like whatever
0: yeah she's uh much much less dumb in this show. she's
1: very smart in this show. she, she is she, yeah. she's dressed very smartly
0: she is uh, i love her hat
1: oh, she's got a very jaunty little hat yeah uh it's much more in line with almost a hamburg actually yeah yeah um and she wears a tie she's just you know very very trim very streamlined
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh so we get to see a lot of women kind of pushing the boundaries of fashion yeah, uh, yeah. in these two episodes actually
0: then I'm. Uh, then we cut to the Gaiety, right. uh, where Ellen Love is singing. Is that the baby song? Yeah, she's we don't go to or... the gate.
1: Well, because what happens is then we see Monsieur Leclerc get to work. Oh, okay. <coughs> we see Monsieur Leclerc like get to work and he's right. late, and you know, uh, Mr. Selfridge is like, "Oh, uh, are you okay?" Because he can kind of see that he's. He's kind of
0: he's feeling very French, sad.
1: Yeah, and so he's like, "I'm taking you out," and he's like, Ugh, "Because of course, Mister Saltford takes him to the dumb gaiety." Yeah, which is the only place that like he wants. Like nobody wants to go there.
0: I know, and Mister Leclerc is so unhappy about it. Yeah, as as are we here in the audience. And again, uh, Ellen Love seems to be very talented. Uh, the production values are very high, but like these songs and like people. People got rich writing these songs. Like, this was... Look how many people are in the audience to see this horrible, horrible stuff. They
1: had not invented TV yet. And I don't know what the, you know, HBO equivalent was of this shit, but uh, I don't think it was readily accessible.
0: I, I guess. I don't know. Wasn't somebody doing a Gilbert and Sullivan revival somewhere? Well, Lord. but
1: Ellen Love wasn't in it, man. Yeah. They sing too fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, she she wouldn't really.
1: No. Uh Ugh. Oh God! She Ugh. Doesn't, she
0: doesn't have many skills beyond staying in step and simpering.
1: Yes, and this is the simperingest thing we've seen yet. Yeah, like that like, dumb thing with the typewriter. Like that was ma- that, that was, was like right. Shakespeare compared <laughs> yeah. to this. This is just these gross pink nineties and these teddy bears. Yeah, and I just I mean and that's the thing you know, I have very <laughs> mixed feelings about any kind of you know female display of sexuality specifically for the male gaze which Mm -hmm. this clearly is although obviously women are eating it up as well yeah but like uh i hate infantilization yeah and this is the most infantile you know gaiety number we've seen yeah and it's just gross yeah uh mr leclaire is not amused yeah mr leclaire agrees with us because we are perfect and so is he yes
0: uh mr selfridge however uh still eating it up Oh. Leaning forward. He is like a pig smiling. and slop he man. Is.
1: Honestly, I'm like, do you only do this one song? <laughs> right. I just I don't understand the structure of the gaiety. I guess that's something worth looking up and yeah, seeing, that's you know, true. if she did this multiple times a night or if there yeah. were other acts or however that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh they're backstage with Miss Love and mm-hmm. uh Mr. Leclaire. <laughs> It's pointed out by Mr. Sulfridge. Mr. LeClaire likes the opera. Yes. And Mr. LeClaire says that those women sing like goddesses. <laughs> and Ellen Love takes the intended umbrage. Yes. And, you know, they have a spat. He says
0: that she has other... Assets. Assets.
1: Uh, and... Mr. Selfridge, though he must surely agree with Mr. LeClaire, <laughs> uh, says, oh, you know, don't fight. I, I need you both too much. Right. And we're like, mm, you need Mr. LeClaire. Yeah. She seems pretty peripheral.
0: Yeah. You can always just jerk off. Yeah. Okay, anyway.
1: You can't make your own windows. <laughs> no. Uh, so he winds up taking them both to the club mm-hmm. and he goes and sits down to gamble with Tony Lady May's erstwhile drunk-ass lover.
0: Yeah, and he, like, when he sees the gambling happening, like, a look gets in his eye, and he has now stopped thinking about anything else. Yeah. Like, he, you know, Ellen desperately tries to dissuade him from uh from doing so, she says that she had other ideas mm-hmm. for their evening, and like I, he he already knows all your ideas.
1: Yeah, you've only got like two, yeah, yeah. maybe three if you're adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> um. So she goes off to pout and finds right. Mister LeClaire and they have a conversation, and you know he says that he doesn't like her, mm-hmm. and uh he says that he's a perfectionist. Yeah. And she says, "Oh, so am I." I'm like, "You don't even know what that word means." <laughs> yeah. I I really think the woman who is portraying Ellen Love is doing a great job. Agreed, but I cannot stand her as a person. (laughs) Yeah, she's so annoying.
0: Yeah, she's 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 tough to to be around. Oh
1: gosh, I forgot my favorite phrase that I'm going to use all the time now (laughs) because Ellen loves trying to get Mister Selfridge to not gamble with Tony, and when finally Mister Selfridge does sit down and she you know flounces off, Tony just says. Petticoat trouble. <laughs> so from now on, anytime anybody's having some problems with their like significant other, i we be like, Petticoat trouble. <laughs> and I will get uninvited from a lot of parties.
0: <laughs> well, that'll give us more time for this podcast.
1: Oh, great. I love <laughs> this podcast.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so, uh, so, uh Ellen Love, attempting to get herself back into Monsieur Leclerc's good graces, decides to use her sexuality. Uh
1: but not before questioning his. Oh
0: <laughs> right, that's true. She
1: wants to know if he's one of those kinds of men. And he laughs because he gets that a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But and Monsieur Leclerc, like you can see it in his face. He's like, Are you really trying this on me? Do you really think this is gonna work on me? I, I go to the opera, bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's the thing that's so funny. I mean, Because he and Mr. Selfridge, you know, they're excellent colleagues, but they have nothing in common. Yeah. You know, Mr. LeClaire is clearly a man of taste and breeding. And I mean, you know, Mr. Selfridge is, you know, a classic P.T. Barnum-esque, you know, (laughs) carnival barker. Right. Who just likes shiny things. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they they compliment each other well, but they just, you know, they have so little that they really can relate to about each other. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, he finally agrees that he'll redo her photos, uh, if you remember the two Victorian-looking photos uh-huh. from the, the first, uh, podcast. He says that she will have total creative control, which apparently is all Ellen Love ever wanted, judging by her face. Yeah.
0: Uh, back at the poker table, it's, it's come down to the climactic, uh, final round of pokering, apparently. <laughs> um... <laughs>
1: Is that a technical term? <laughs> yes,
0: it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we basically cut to uh, Mr. Selfridge with, with his poker face on. By the way, which I enjoyed. He kind of looks like Grumpy Cat with his poker face. But he is calling Tony's bet. Uh, they're, you know, they've bet everything. Tony lays down a straight. Mr. Selfridge lays down a full house.
1: Everywhere you look, <laughs> everywhere there's a heart, there's a heart of Mr. Selfridge beating you. <laughs>
0: Yes, Tony is dismayed. Quite he has apparently gambled a bit more than he really should have. Yes, yeah. Uh, Mr. Selfridge tells him that the as he storms out, first rule of poker: lose gracefully. Which I don't. I don't think that's true. No. I think the first rule of poker is deal five cards to each player, and mm-hmm. then it,
1: the goes go on from
0: there. Yeah. But.
1: Well, he's Mr. Selfridge, baby.
0: <laughs> that's the first rule of Selfridge's poker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god
0: second rule Selfridge always wins
1: <laughs> yeah and so then uh, I think we went back at Ellen Love's apartment mm-hmm. where she is now pathetically singing and dancing by herself in the dark
0: yes and I want
1: to be girlfriend <laughs> I know where you're going because I've been there myself
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but then she goes somewhere that I have never gone <laughs> which is taking a ride on the cocaine train yep she loves it
0: yeah which then cuts immediately to Miss Towler, uh, who, you know what, we failed to mention an important aspect in the oh, scene with her father, right. which is at the end of that scene, he smacked her and knocked her down.
1: Because she said that she didn't remember him ever being sober.
0: Yeah. So when we cut to Miss Towler, she is using some of Selfridge's patented face powder uh, to cover up her black eye. So I was like, oh, wow, both of them are using powder to cover up their problems. It's an astute observation, Tom. Yeah. And speaking of covering up one's problems, (laughs) this is going to bring us to our recurring segment in which our resident drug diva, Kelly, takes us into the history of fashion with fashion backwards.
1: Surprise! You guys didn't know there was going to be a fashion backwards, did you? We're (laughs) crazy! That's right. All right. So, uh, there's actually a really good article on edwardian promenade about just drugs in the uh you know late victorian early edwardian period uh, and actually i half read this book once called writing on drugs that was about this period because all these writers would take laudanum and then have these like crazy hallucinations mm. like that's how um the strange case of dr and jekyll and mr hyde was written by robert mm. lewis stevenson he was a big proponent of this and percy uh, shelley as well yeah i was gonna say uh kupla yeah Uh, Okay, so cocaine was introduced to Britain in the 1880s, and it caught on basically immediately. (laughs) That's Uh, that's what cocaine does. It is what cocaine does. Um, So there's the coca plant in South America, and, you know, Western observers, you know, would kind of see the native tribes, you know, chewing the coca leaf as they would go through their, their day. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, for, you know, they used it like coffee, basically. Right. But cocaine itself was not isolated chemically until 1844. It started being manufactured commercially in 1862, and, uh, a Bavarian army doctor in 1883 uncovered its usefulness as an anti-fatigue agent. And then um, ophthalmologists and dentists started using it as a uh, local anesthetic because, you know, mm-hmm. it does cause numbness or so I've heard. Right. And then uh, there's good old Sigmund Freud uh, uh-huh. who defended the wonder drug in in the face of cautions in medical journals, praising it and prescribing it for a variety of ailments, ranging from seasickness to melancholia <laughs> to, ironically, rehabilitating morphine addicts. <laughs> but,
0: you know, that's I, not- I just met anybody coming to him just being like... I've been having this problem. Cocaine. Have you tried cocaine? You should try cocaine.
1: That is basically all of his writings during this period. Mm. Um, I know all of this because for some reason, as a child, I won a gift certificate. You remember how they would for give- cocaine? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you remember um, when you were in, in elementary school? They would have those like book catalogs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I won like a fifty dollars gift card or certificate, credit, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And, you know, you had to use it all at once. Mm. So I got this book. It was a picture book for kids (laughs) entirely about the history of cocaine. (laughs) It was fascinating. Yeah. It really was fascinating. You know, and, you know, obviously you got into like modern day and you learned about like land bias and Mm -hmm. why you shouldn't do cocaine. Right. But like it was really uh, fair and balanced. So That's I know, as none of the
0: information that I got in that time period about cocaine or anything else. No, I mean they
1: balanced. they talked about you know the South American uses and Sigmund Freud. I mean it, you know it wasn't as scaremongering as you would think it probably should have been. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it worked because I've still never used it. So yeah. yeah. So in 1863, there is a chemist named Angelo Mariani. Uh, and he became very sort of interested in in the coca leaf. Mm. And so he started making a wine called Vin Mariani, which was treated with coca leaves. And they called it coca wine. Hmm. And then the ethanol in the wine would act as a solvent and extract the cocaine from the coca leaves. So it was sort of like a Red Bull. Yeah, I was going to say, like a vodka Red yeah. Bull. Yeah, it was exactly like that. Uh, and then, of course, in the United States, Coca-Cola of course, right, right. that is how, uh, how we started drinking that oh, because yes. it used to actually have cocaine. And, you know, the article says, you know, ironically, uh, cocaine was used to treat morphine addiction. Mm. That's not ironic at all. I mean, morphine an opiate. Right. Uh, and, you know, to this day, you know, when you're trying to get somebody off of an opiate, you know, more likely heroin now. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, you got to put people on, um, methadone, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't just stop using Mm -hmm. an opiate like that. Right. And you know, cocaine, I'm sure would mask the vast majority of your withdrawal symptoms. I mean, while of course creating a completely new and exciting chemical dependency. Yeah.
0: I've always had the vague idea though, that cocaine while addictive is less addictive than opiates, but I, I could be, I've
1: also had that that. idea. yeah. I mean, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Don't. Fun fact, Queen Victoria would drink Vin Mariani all the time. Oh. She had nine children. <laughs> uh, so she drank it all the time. Wow. I know. Uh, that I learned, actually, from the website theangrypenguins.blogspot.com. Wow. Are uh,
0: they angry because they're high on Coke?
1: I Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the Victorian era, though, I mean, that was really where drug abuse started really taking off. hmm Um, you know, because some people think that, uh, you know, it was a combination of industrialization, people's income started increasing, you know, there was more mobility, they had more expendable income, Mm -hmm. but there's also the fact that the Victorian era was such a straight-laced time period that, you know, people were seeking these things to, uh, you know, escape the horrors of Victorian (laughs) life.
0: Yeah. Well, I have also always understood that that's when... You know, alcoholism like became a whole another level of thing when gin-, gin. I
1: was just talking about that with somebody, mm-hmm. and how that was, you know, that was the crack yeah. of Victorian era England. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cocaine could be taken uh, or- orally through the nose, uh, insufflation, if you want to know the technical term. And I do. Or you could take it via hypodermic needle, like everyone's favorite Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, once it was able to be produced uh, on on a mass consumer level, mm-hmm. you know it just permeated everything. You could get snuff, candy, cigarettes, ointments, pills, gargles, chewing pastes, you could even get a suppository Wow, uh, to get your coke on.
0: Really, the golden age of cocaine
1: yeah, and and one thing that I was really curious about because obviously, as we see sort of throughout this episode, nobody really seems to have a problem with Ellen Love doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um you know she's the only person that we see partake. Yeah. But everybody else seems to regard it just as, you know, as cigarettes are somewhat tolerated today. Mm-hmm. I would say they're they're more tolerant of the cocaine than people are of cigarettes now. Yeah.
0: Um but I also think to an extent it's a uh, oh you're a uh you know, theater person and you do different. Exactly. Things.
1: Well, and we later see Mr. Leclerc, like he doesn't care. Like yeah. he genuinely doesn't, I mean, he doesn't like her anyway. Right. So he's probably like, I hope your heart explodes, crazy bitch. <laughs> so the thing that I was the most curious about is when drug regulations started to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traditionally, and this is also the case for, for cocaine and other, you know, now, uh, you know, class a drugs or whatever you call it, mm-hmm. uh, in Britain, much as in America, the drug problem was always sort of, you know, the onus was placed on foreigners. Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, that, oh, these dirty foreigners are bringing these drugs. They're using those drugs when, you know, obviously that, that's not what creates the drug epidemic. It's, you know, the native population uh, deciding to exploit people and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Listen, go watch a documentary. (laughs) I don't have time to get into the war on drugs right now. Right. So it wasn't until uh, the 1910s that any kind of regulation started happening. Okay, so the first law that I was able to find that specifically regulates um, cocaine uh, wasn't actually passed until 1916. There mm. were other laws that were passed prior to that for opium. Okay. Uh, because opium, you know, obviously had been around longer. Right, you right. Know, you don't have to synthesize anything for opium to be opium. It right, just, you right. know It's just, you know, the milk of the poppy. <laughs> yeah. For you Game of Thrones fans out <laughs> there. Uh, so in 1916, they passed the Defense of the Realm Act, which we've talked about before. Right. And the possession, distribution, and sale of cocaine and opium were controlled under the authority of the Home Office. This control, obtained under emergency conditions, was to, be re- was to be retained, setting a precedent of treating drugs as a criminal matter and a threat to national security. Now, the main reason, actually, for this particular piece of legislation was that it was during World War One, and mm-hmm. they needed to make sure that they had opiates and cocaine for the soldiers, uh, oh. during the war. Yeah. Um, you know, they were they were being used medicinally right, primarily. Right, so right. that, you know, that was more of a rationing thing mm-hmm. than a, oh hey, cocaine will destroy your septum and your life. No,
0: I like that. Stop using all the cocaine. Our soldiers need it.
1: Now as a fun follow-up, in the UK, they passed the Dangerous Drug Act in nineteen twenty. I'm sorry, the Dangerous Drugs Act. Okay. So, it implements the Hague Convention in Britain by extending and reinforcing the Defense of the Realm Act. Uh, and so, it put controls on cannabis and preparations containing uh, dihydrocodeine. <laughs> If you've ever had that kind of cough syrup, you know what I mean. Uh, and it banned cocaine following stories of crazed soldiers in World War One. Mm. Um it's not entirely clear whether the crazed soldiers were merely going through withdrawal if they had been treated mm-hmm. with cocaine for their problems. And yeah. then you know they were like, okay, you're healed, now you don't get any more cocaine.
0: Yeah.
1: That would make you go crazy.
0: You know what else might make you go crazy? Being sent off to die for no reason. Um, I'm just oh, throw Tom. that out there.
1: Anyway. <laughs> uh what's that poem it is good and glorious to die for one's country okay sick patria something
0: yeah it's, uh, that sounds familiar
1: yeah it's a poem it's like a famous ass poem tom all right god should have done all this cocaine before i did the <laughs> podcast <laughs> i'm kidding it's just coffee <laughs> Yeah, and then they just basically kind of kept amending the Dangerous Drugs Act through mm-hmm. the 20s. So it took a while. I was surprised, actually, how long it took for them to really criminalize uh, drug use. Yeah, yeah. Because, we, you know, I mean, I've, you know, I lived my whole life in, you know, the Just Say No and the right, D.A.R.E. Right. program and everything. So, you know, I, I grew up with drugs being prohibited, but it yeah. was, you know, it was the Wild West back then. Yeah. There weren't really any restrictions. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's how Ellen Love has free and unfettered access to cocaine at this time. Well, all right. They're, you know, about 60 years away from actually starting to regulate it in any way, shape, or form. So, so,
0: uh, so use it while you can, yeah. Ellen Love. Use it while you can. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, back to the saga of Ms. Towler's Black Eye. <laughs> uh, she... Arrives at Selfridge's uh, a bit late.
1: Victor tried to walk her to work. Oh, Remember? that's he right. That's what her, I'm missing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah or something like that. Yeah,
0: some sort of breakfast. It was yeah in a shoebox looking yeah, thing. But was... he made
1: them. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. He said it was a, a uh, God, What the hell is it? I can't uh Mr. Colioni?
0: Yeah, it's something like that. I
1: keep wanting to like <laughs> call him Corleone, but <laughs> right. like that's not right because what i call him all the time is fat thomas
0: <laughs> yeah just the
1: fact that he is not in any way fat he
0: really isn't he just
1: looks like fat thomas <laughs>
0: yeah it's just something about the shape of his face yeah but yeah yeah uh anyway whatever his name but he's, is he's
1: he's tried to walk miss Tallard to work and she foists george off on him instead and he's like yeah. hey this is not or, you're the he, one i like
0: yeah george is also confused by yeah this. george
1: does not like hang out with victor <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, but really, because, I mean, what she really wants, too, is, because he at first is is expecting to kind of be asked in, and in her place uh, is her drunken, abusive yeah. father. She doesn't necessarily want her suitor and her drunken, abusive father getting to know each other.
1: Mm-mm.
0: But yeah, so she does arrive late to uh, to work, and... The girls there uh see right through her little powder scheme. Yeah. Uh and point out to Miss Martle that she has a shiner and is like, Ooh, how'd you get that? who, we're caddy. Um <laughs> and she says, Oh, I uh I, I I fainted and hit my cheek on the tub and everybody knows that she's lying.
1: Yes. Poor Miss Martle. Like you can just see her face, she's like, Oh shit. Yeah. She's like, oh, I don't want to have to scrape you up off of anything. <laughs> oh, right.
0: Well, it's, you know, that's, I'm sure that was part of working in retail by back then. Yeah. Always at least one member of your staff getting beaten by someone.
1: It's not that unusual can like contemporarily.
0: Well, that's a fair point.
1: Yeah. So then we have uh, Rose yeah. going to call on Lady May. Yeah. And uh she goes in and she's she's sitting in the parlor. Some random lady just like walks <laughs> right. <through. laughs> I have no <laughs> idea who she is. <laughs> right. She kind of looks like uh Miss Morrill, but it's not her. Yeah, it's just and she's uh... just like walking through with some papers, you know, some business papers. <laughs> right. But then um Lady May does come in and oh my god. Yeah. Her hair and dress.
0: So like and it's just so well especially because rose's dresses are always a little like bland and conservative to well, me they're
1: bland and conservative and she just seems uncomfortable in them
0: yeah she does like she has a fur in this scene and it's always kind of falling off of her mm-hmm. and she's having to read well and her hair
1: always seems a bit disheveled as well mm. well because i don't think she has a lady's maid either
0: that would make sense i can't see i mean if mr Selfridge doesn't have a ballot i wouldn't yeah. think you know yeah uh, but yeah, and it's it's also, I mean, just the contrast between them, you know, goes well beyond the costuming. It's, yes. You know, she's very like, oh, I've caught you at a bad time, blah, blah, blah. And Lady May just cuts right through that. And it's like, no, I'm delighted. What do you want? And yeah. it's just, she is so good. Lady
1: May is amazing. Yeah. She's one of the best, brightest spots in this show. I mean, she's just playing it to the hilt. Yeah. And, and I love that, you know, when you meet her, she's played... You know, she's introduced sort of as a villain, but that's super not... This show is not about villains.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, no Sir Richard Carlyle she. Right. Like, she's got all of these layers and this depth. And she's got her own agenda that has nothing to do with what anybody else wants. Yeah. And that's a very rare quality for a female character in any TV show to have. Yeah. And especially
0: just the performance where she always has this, like, mask on, this Mm -hmm. upper-class, confident mask... But you can always see what she's thinking and how mm-hmm. what her plans are and what she wants and doesn't want. It's, it's really, really it's impressive. It's really well done. Uh, but in any case, what Rose is there for is to find out uh, if her daughter's dream of being presented, as she says, is a possibility.
1: Lady May is delighted yes. by this news.
0: You've come to the right place. You really have. Yeah. Uh,
1: she asks if Rosalie is pretty. And... What does she say exactly?
0: She's, I think she's, she's nice, nice looking. looking. Yeah,
1: But I also love that. Again, that's something else that you don't see because, mm-hmm. you know, attractiveness really is currency for women still to this day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've all had our mothers tell us some bullshit lie <laughs> about like, oh, you're so beautiful. And like, mom, I'm not. Like, I know that I'm not. <laughs> uh, and I just appreciated their frankness because, I mean... Mm-hmm. Beauty as currency at this time would have been astronomical, mm-hmm. um, and you know. But and, and Lady May points out, you know, being pretty isn't the only thing that matters, right? Um, but I just I appreciated, you know, because Mrs. Selfridge has her own kind of savvy.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know,
1: she I think she's smart enough to say when she doesn't know something, or you know, she right. can she can admit the truth where somebody else might protest. Mm-hmm. But she knows, you know, she knows. Uh, Lady May well enough to know that if she says that her daughter is beautiful and she's not, right? That's ultimately going to hurt her chances in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I just that was one of my favorite moments. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. So Lady May says that they can start out by hosting a tea. She can have it at her house, and that you know the the commerce aspect of the Selfridge's lives may not be. It's not I, ideal, yeah. but it's it's going to cause interest. So they will probably you know whatever events they throw on Rosalie's behalf uh, are going to be very well attended because people love to talk, <laughs> which segs right to Lady May's next favorite topic, <laughs> talking about Ellen Love yeah. to Mrs. Selfridge, and this blew me away. Mm-hmm. I think this was the moment when I was like, this is the raciest show PBS has ever shown, mm-hmm. because she says. Uh, speaking of that topic that we touched on the last time we spoke, Mm -hmm. and Mrs. Selfridge is like, oh, Ellen Love, and she's like, in my experience, Harry's interests uh, fade very quickly, and I find the best way to deal with them is to just ignore them. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, are you serious? Is this really happening on my TV? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, they, they have an interesting situation. Yeah. Yeah. A very interesting situation. I mean, it's, it's not unusual for the time I was oh, sure, right but yeah. just her because you know we've been we've been set up narratively to think that maybe this is the first time this has happened mm-hmm. or you know what does she know how much does she know yeah and it turns out she's, she's extremely savvy about the whole thing yeah
0: she she knows everything essentially
1: yeah uh, now what she did not know and what lady may is only too delighted to inform her (laughs) is that Harry has, in fact, installed Miss Love in a flat. Yeah. And so that seems a bit more permanent than previous dalliances, apparently. And we do see that play across Francis O'Connor's face. She's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Back at the store. Right. (laughs) We see Mr. Selfridge, uh, you know, surveying his domain with Mr. LeClaire and also Miss Morrill and uh, talking about perfume. Right. And how they ought, you know, because they, they've, they put out the, the perfume counters. We actually, we saw Miss Towler looking at it and talking with Mr. LeClaire about it. Yeah. And she said, oh, you know, I'd never dare to touch these because it looks too precious and the prices are so high. Mm-hmm. So Miss Morrill and Mr. Selfridge come up with a house scent idea. They're going to come up with a, a cheap... AKA an expensive perfume oh, right. under the Selfridge's name that's carried exclusively in their stores and they're going to target, you know, more working class women. Mm-hmm. And that is how Sephora was invented, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that made me very excited. I love Sephora.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and Mr. Selfridge is like, yes, and Ellen Love can endorse it. And Mr. Leclerc is like,
1: oh, hey. uh, so you want to make a perfume for a
0: horse? <laughs> they're a growing market, damn it. <laughs>
1: Not if syphilis gets there first. <laughs> but uh Mr. Selfridge then, you know, asks Miss Morrill to come work for I think he just asks everyone to come work for him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you I like your face. Come work for me. All <laughs> right. She's like, No, I have to go back to New York. Yeah. Peace out. Yeah. So she leaves and uh Mr. Selfridge is like punching Mr. <laughs> LeClaire and he's like, Get down. I'm like, what are you doing, you idiot? Yeah. Cause she says, you know, goodbye to Mr. Selfridge. She says goodbye Henri and he's all like oh shucks. He's so cute by the way. He's so sh- <laughs> yeah. not only is he devastatingly handsome, he's also adorable. That, it's it true. is a lethal combination mm-hmm. uh for the ladies. <laughs> so he runs down after her and at the door, you know, he he says he was serious about the job. He didn't sound serious, but he was. And she says, nope I need to be in New York." And she's right. Yeah. She's correct. She should be in New York, not she in is. London.
0: That's where that hat belongs. It is
1: where that hat belongs. So then she kisses him. Yeah. And leaves with her fabulous hat.
0: Yeah. Which Miss Towler sees the kiss.
1: <sighs> Miss Towler is just always in the right place at the right time. She to is. See She's vaguely a... <laughs> inappropriate She <punches. laughs>
0: She's a sly one. I
1: don't know if you've heard, but butter wouldn't melt in her mouth.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of ill-fated love affairs. Oh, God. Yeah. We then see... Rose entering uh, an imposingly tall building. It's very
1: tall. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: which I think in retrospect is you should realize that it's not great because that's like a fourth floor walk up. Uh-huh. Like you wouldn't actually want to live there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, good old Roderick Temple or as he's credited on IMDb simply Roddy.
1: Or as he's credited on Up Yours Downstairs fake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes is uh it's where he has his apartment and studio which is which is pretty nice it's, i mean I,
1: I was surprised by how nice it was yeah but you know this really demonstrates the need for women's suffrage because her revenge for mr selfridge installing ellen love in an apartment right is getting eye fucked by a painter yeah this is not the same thing it really isn't. it's really not fair
0: i mean you know to be fair both fake Hall and ellen love are people pretending not to be prostitutes
1: that's true
0: um but yeah and so she, she
1: what about the artists <laughs> they are the biggest holes of them all
0: thank you bertolt brecht you're welcome um yeah so she goes up and like knocks on his door and waits for 0.5 seconds is like oh he's not coming i'll just go uh, we've all been there yeah but uh no he he comes out and sees her walking down his many, one of his many staircases and, uh, you know, summons her back.
1: Yeah, it's basically like that scene at the end of Labyrinth.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Back at Selfridges, uh, Miss Towler is mucking about in the stockroom. <laughs> yeah. And she is trying on a hat when Monsieur LeClaire comes in. He's <laughs> like, you're wasted in the stockroom. Come <laughs> with me. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're not going to yell at me for trying on the merchandise? Sweet. Yeah. Um,
0: I was just kind of dicking around, but all right.
1: Yeah. So he brings her into his, you know, art development place, mm-hmm. office. It's and, the Sterling
0: Tuper, Cooper Draper Price of yeah, Selfridges.
1: It's just called <laughs> Leclerc, LeClaire and Taller, Attorneys at law. <laughs> uh, but he says he wants to create this perfume that appeals to miss tower essentially because he right. asked her earlier if if she wore scent and she mm-hmm. said yeah she wears this lavender scent and he's like oh are you wearing it now and then he went to like stiffer her, uh, yeah. and she was very luckily called away by somebody else It's uh, yeah. like shoo <laughs> oh, okay that's weird <laughs> mr leclerc you're a weird dude
0: <laughs> i just like to smell the ladies
1: <laughs> He didn't smell me anytime <laughs> um yeah so he wants her help in developing this fragrance, which is pretty cool for somebody who's just senior associate in accessories. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So back at uh, the uh, Ellen Love's apartment, we think mm-hmm. where she's been installed. They are eating oysters. Ho ho, oysters. Hey. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Nudge.
1: Better hope it's a month with an R in it.
0: <laughs> uh, I do hope that. Um, but he is pitching her on the idea of endorsing this perfume. Uh and she's she's very excited and starts talking about what sort of thing it'll be and he's like, No, 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 this is going to be uh inexpensive and she says, You mean cheap? And he like grits his teeth and is like, No, inexpensive. Uh (laughs) but your face is going to be on the Uh, on the nightstand of every woman in England and she's like oh with the bath salts and the foot powder no I decline which uh, it's so cute that you think you're not like his employee yeah like you think you're an independent contractor here Uh, Uh, even
1: an independent contractor is under contract
0: (laughs) right but he he bribes her with the promise of her own window Mm -hmm. for this perfume and that that's a real panty dropper for her apparently yeah so. i think it's kind of gauche
1: but I mean, whatever you know
0: she's kind she's of pretty gauche, gauche yeah. actually her name is ellen love that's a good point yeah
1: bit on the nose <laughs> like the cocaine <laughs> so uh yeah rose is still hanging out with that painter mm-hmm. and he is going to paint her yeah and i forget what happens oh no i think she No, no no wait because she goes, this scene is like her coming in and she's like apologizing. Right. And like, I'm married, like blah, blah, blah. But then I came back. Yeah. Because, you know, you look like Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, am well, I'm in a stone.
0: <laughs> yes, Well, I, I forget exactly how it is, but he has something about why she came back. And you see the thought grow across her face like, well, I guess I better not tell him the real reason.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he does say that he's been haunting the National Gallery hoping to run into her again. I'm like, mm-hmm. guess what, idiot? <laughs> like, when women run out of your apartment, they're not going to then run to the place that they met you. Because yeah, the they, the <laughs> they know you're a scam, Robbie. They know you're a scam.
0: Look, it's just lucky this is before Facebook.
1: Oh, God.
0: You would have been all over.
1: Mm hmm. So she finally goes home. Mm hmm and rosalie runs out and says oh hey mom while you're out getting eye fucked by that painter (laughs) lady may came by and was like yeah let's get you introduced into society bitch uh rose is not thrilled about this development because you know Mm -hmm. it's like okay maybe you should have thought about that before you went and i you know go home check in and be like hey we're good to go Uh, right then go you know get eye fucked by the painter
0: well sometimes like you know you just can't wait
1: to get eye fucked by a painter, apparently, I can wait forever.
0: Well, you're not an Edwardian woman, Kelly. That you know of.
1: <laughs> I've got so many portrait hats you don't even know. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but uh, I think Rosalie's the smartest Selfridge because I think she understands the social capital of Lady May way better than anybody else. I think
0: that's true as well, and this is also a good as point as good a point as any to point out. That her voice sounded very, very familiar to us, and Kelly finally figured it out today, and she sounds exactly like Kirsten Dunst.
1: Specifically in the movie The Cat's Meow, which is a spectacular movie that you should all watch immediately.
0: Agreed. She plays Marion Davies in that, and it's really, really, really good, but her voice it's exactly the same voice and i never get tired of listening to british people do american accents yes like i'm i'm down for that anytime well
1: and i think uh this is less to do with the kirsten nuns thing and more to do with the rosalie thing Mm -hmm. but i think she understands the social capital of lady May the best because she's you know coming up on marriageable age Mm. she is more than likely going to have to marry a british dude yeah because that's where she's at yeah i mean i guess she could marry somebody in chicago
0: it would have to be, like, an arranged thing, which yeah. I, I don't think is out of the question.
1: Yeah, but I but... Mean, if they have great relations with the people back in Chicago, I don't know that they would be in London. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, she needs to understand how to navigate and run a household in Britain. And right. we've seen that her mom isn't, like, the best at doing stuff. <laughs> right. So.
0: Yeah. <gasps> then we have a scene... I assume it is with Mr. Towler because all I have written for this scene is he's always drunk. It's kind of his thing, but I, I don't remember what particular drunken antics he's getting up I to at this point. I think isn't that when he's
1: trying to get back into their apartment, or is that the next episode?
0: I just honestly don't know. No, it's the next that episode. That is the next episode. Yeah,
1: um,
0: something drink something something drunk. He does something drunk. drunk. And, uh, everybody's unhappy about it. Yeah. You can fill in the details on your own. You know, Hopefully honestly. Hopefully you the episode and remember. Yeah.
1: We <laughs> found all the scenes with him the first time through to be really difficult to watch. Like. Yeah. I don't have an alcoholic parent, but like. But, yeah. It just, like, it was so viscerally uncomfortable mm-hmm. to watch all of this go down. Yeah. Like, yes. it's just, it's really, really, really terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we get Mr. Selfridge back at the gambling table. <laughs> And is he up against Tony again, or no? yes, possibly
0: i I think they're apparently the only two people that gamble in this club are Mr. Selfridge and Tony. Uh,
1: I just think gambling is like the stupidest vice, like I understand drugs so like that makes you feel good, and I guess gambling makes some people feel good. Yeah. I just did not one of them yeah,
0: well, and I'll say too i th- I do separate to a to an extent. Uh, poker, any type of gambling where it's you versus another person, mm-hmm. there's some level of skill there as opposed to slot machines, roulette, whatever. Right, but I
1: mean, I think the addiction part is the same, regardless of sort of your your media.
0: Well, fair enough. Uh, in any case, he's a gambling addict.
1: He loves it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have no idea what happened next, everybody. I wrote down, George is pretty savvy for a simple dude. I don't know why I wrote that.
0: Oh, no, that's that's... I remember... Okay, that scene is it's down in the base it's it's uh is victor, victor is talking to him is it
1: when he's like where you know i don't see the selfish's livery on the side of that van or is that the next thing oh
0: yeah, yeah yeah you know what it is in in the here we go uh victor tracks down george because he hasn't seen agnes uh-huh. he hasn't seen her around so he tracks down george to ask where she is and george is like Oh, she's on a special assignment with uh Mr with Monsieur Leclerc. It's yeah. Monsieur Leclerc this, Monsieur Leclerc that. Funny, she never mentions you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 uh, what a maroon uh, fat yeah. Thomas is.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I I think in that same scene we get another establishing shot of, you know, thing that he's
1: loading this, this yeah. hot van. because I
0: think that's where Victor is like, so what are you getting out of this? And he's like... I
1: think that actually might be in the next episode because oh, okay. I don't think he brings it up.
0: But well, in any case.
1: It's so hard to tell when things happen. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Monsieur Leclerc is then... Uh, still up in his office with, uh, Miss Towler and she has, you know, suggested that they use lilies of the valley. Yeah. Uh, and she's saying, oh, you know, we used to pick these in the country. My mother loved these. And he says, oh, that must be why you thought of them. And I just am waiting for him to say, uh, you know, there's a co-kid in Vienna with some extraordinary ideas about parental (laughs) relationships. I'd love to tell you about them sometime (laughs) when I get over... When you get over your penis, Envy. I'm sorry, that was a slip of some kind. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as you did. That was great. How come there's not more scenes of Jeremy Piven just screaming, "Blankets <laughs> there aren't any no he never screams Blankensop
0: and And it's inexplicable it is
1: inexplicable she's She's clearly the Lloyd of this show
0: she's his secretary and has the most screamable name you can imagine I you know she'd come frightenedly running I know she
1: really would yeah it'd be great I don't know what he says to Blankensop but Blankensop 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 I could just say her name forever
0: you sure could
1: yeah Something happens with Miss Blankensop. <laughs> Nobody knows what it is. <coughs> Nobody's gonna find out.
0: We apologize.
1: Uh, however, Monsieur Leclerc then has his photo session with Ellen Love, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> so he's like, "Oh no, I'm not seeing your, you know, special." Yeah, your Eunice, whatever it is, your essence or whatever, the yeah, spirit of Selfridge's that That's you're not so happening.
0: worked up about
1: so she says that everybody else should leave and so then she does like these sexy poses that are like the tamest thing ever I mean it was yeah 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 Edwardian England
0: but it's it's definitely uh it's definitely intended to cause a sexual response
1: yes and uh she's you know she's doing some cocaine she offers to Mr. LeClaire and he's like no 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 I need steady hands so that (laughs) I can you know present you well yeah and you know he's like play Miss Love play and it's just like super weird yeah But, uh, you know, they do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, because he's sabotaging her and gleefully.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. Because then they go and they take, you know, the photos to Mr. Selfridge Mm -hmm. and she's like, God, Ellen Love, how stupid can you be? (laughs) Like, seriously, how stupid can you be? Yeah. As soon as he opens up the portfolio, he's like, we cannot use these. He's like, we're a family store. Yeah. And she's like, but I'm beautiful. And he's like, that's super not the point, idiot. Right. Uh, so she gets all butt butthurt yeah. and, you know, leaves. And then, uh, well, no, 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 he kicks her out. Yeah,
0: he kicks her out.
1: Because he's like, I need to speak to Mr. LeClaire alone.
0: Yeah. when she's
1: like, I thought we were having tea or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And he's, he's like, like, not today. Yeah. Uh, so she goes and he says, you're a ruthless bastard, Henri. <laughs> I'll tell you whose mouth butter wouldn't melt in
0: mm-hmm. Mr. LeClaire's. You're, you're darn right.
1: It would clarify. <laughs> luck <laughs> clarify
0: <laughs> that's true
1: uh anyway uh fortunately Henri, you know mother Leclaire did not raise no fool uh, yes. and he has his lily of the valley pitch all set and ready to go mm-hmm. which of course mr selfridge loves yes because it's a genius idea yeah and he's like yeah go for it
0: yeah and then he he uh, puts out the the line for it which is unforgettable uh-huh uh and mr salvage says i like that that's a good strap line which was a sort of term of art that i hadn't heard before i hadn't heard
1: that either yeah
0: so that that was just maybe that's like slogan
1: or tagline well that's
0: basically what it seemed to be because then later when we see it in the window there's sort of like a ribbon with the word unforgettable on it yes so i don't know if that's part of the meaning there yeah we have a scene that I think might have been in between there at the uh, the Palm Court at Selfridge's with right. Lady May and Mister right. Selfridge. Right,
1: because there was also this scene of that's who I wrote about. She's a businessman. <laughs> uh, yeah, she had a, a scene previously with Tony. And she's like, oh, you've been avoiding me.
0: Right. And he was like,
1: oh, that's why I wrote gambling is as stupid as fuck. Fi- I'm sorry for all the sausage-making that's happening on this <laughs> yeah. podcast. We,
0: we try to keep it uh, cleaner, but well. well... it's
1: it's hard when there's two episodes, yeah, I that's think, true. that you're covering. Yeah. Um, so she found out that he lost all this money to Mr. Selfridge. Mm-hmm. So she then confronts Mr. Selfridge. Yeah. And she's like, well, if you're going to be a dick to me, it's time for me to call in some favors. Mm-hmm. So she arranges for... Uh, mrs pankhurst's london chapter of suffragettes mm-hmm. to have a table reserved for them every tuesday in the palm court and selfridges is going to have to start carrying their memorabilia
0: yeah and there, there's some very nice things in this scene uh, one of which is uh she shows him a kind of character caricature of a suffragette and says oh aren't these suffragettes terrible to which Mr. Salvage replies, "Oh, they're they're forward thinking, blah blah blah." So she's you know testing him out there, and which was pretty nice. And he says, "I'm I live in a house full of women. Of course, I'm in favor uh-huh. of women's suffrage." And then so when she is sort of you know extorting this uh, table for table for every week he calls over Victor and is like arrange a large table to be held every week and she sees him walk off and she's like well maybe you've done me a favor with this Tony after all he was growing tiring and there are other fish in the sea mm-hmm. and Victor turns around and is like what? you want me to cook some fish? I can do that
1: <laughs> <laughs> cook cook cook
0: <laughs> that's all I'm good for right?
1: Uh, yes so you know very interesting things there I, again Lady May yeah Lady May is like the Maggie Smith
0: of <laughs> yeah. this show.
1: She's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, then we cut back to, uh, you know, fake Gyllenhaal's studio. <laughs> and he is preparing to paint Mrs. Selfridge. And she's, she's seated in a pose. Lots of women posing in this episode. Yeah. But he says, oh, you're not the kind of woman who sits. So then he, he sets her up and, and has her pose as if she's painting a picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. My note for this scene is I don't like artists because there's this whole, there's the whole like standing back and like gazing like, hmm, is this right? And no, I want you doing this and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It just really, ugh, it, Well, all right then.
1: Me. It's a good, th- I guess I better keep all my artistic inclinations a secret from you.
0: I guess I mainly just mean painters, honestly. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you don't want him to draw you like one of his French girls? <laughs> No, I don't. (laughs) we
0: have also got uh, some scenes back at the Gaiety, where Alan Love is coking it up uh, before a performance. (laughs) More like Courtney Love, am I right? (laughs) That's great. Yes. And uh, she does her same dance that we saw earlier, at the end of which, by the way, she tossed her teddy bear up to Mr. Selfridge's box. Uh, and she's going through the number again, and as she leans towards to do so, and the spotlight swings around to shine on that box, but it's empty, mm-hmm. which is a failure on the stage manager's part.
1: That's what I'm saying. And Come also, and during the number before, we saw her look up there a bunch of times. Yeah. So I was like, how could she not know? I mean, maybe with the lights, it can be hard right. to see. yeah. But it really is a failure on the stage management's part. They, yeah. They really... That really could have been handled that. It
0: really could have been. That follow spot guy needs to know not to do that. Mm-hmm. It just just makes everybody look bad. I know. Not just out El- but maybe they all hate Ellen Love. Wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much.
1: Yeah. So that's episode uh, episode 3. That's right. Which poises us to dive right into episode four.
0: No rest for the weary.
1: Yes, the very beginning of which is uh, Mr. Selfridge and Mr. Grove concernedly coming down to the sales floor. Yeah,
0: it's a very ominous beginning.
1: And uh, Mr. Selfridge says that he hopes Mr. Grove is wrong.
0: But Mr. Grove is never wrong, except with choices around his hair. Yeah, Some of those are, well, are bad you choices, know, what, <laughs> come on, he's a ginger. What is he going to do? <laughs> he's,
1: he's playing with the deck stacked against him to begin with. <laughs> They've had a hot tip. That one, Miss Bunting, who is the uh, head of fashion, I Mm -hmm. believe, she has been rumored apparently to be shoplifting. Yeah, which we learn when Mister Grove asks uh, Miss Martle to check the hems of her skirts. Mm -hmm. Turns out she's got their finest lace and silks secreted to get away in her skirts. Yeah, which I kind of, I, I'm like, was she going to sell them? Like, I don't quite understand.
0: I mean, I would think. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. uh, She. Starts crying. I mean, this is happening in full view uh, of everyone. everyone yeah. It is so painful to watch.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a really well done scene, but it's very painful and just, just everybody, like, like Mr. Selfridge is, is really angry and like in, in hurt. Like, but, not, but you know what? He's, not in a way to be like but he's thundering, also not- but.
1: Without compassion, yeah, like because she says, "I'm so sorry, Mr. Silver." She's like, "Well, you're sorry and fired." Yeah, and he walks away, and he does yell a little bit. He's like, "I hate this! I hate it!" Yeah, it's which like, it
0: this, is. You, this is your work family, you know. Yeah, and, you
1: don't steal from your work family, which yeah. is true. You don't.
0: Yeah, you no, know, and he says, "I hate that," but he says, "I hate this," and then he says, "More random checks of all departments from now which on," which is what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so miss bunting is is now weeping and she's right. saying to mr grove you know i'm on my own and i have an invalid mother how am i going to get another position without a reference and he's like sorry dude yeah. mr selfridge takes this very seriously yeah he tells her to go get her things and and miss martle walks off with her and, and everybody's it. everybody's pretty shaken yeah
0: and he also says that he he takes his employees problems p- personally as yes. well why didn't you come to us mm-hmm.
1: and she said she was too ashamed and yeah. i'm like you know i, I, I I don't have that much sympathy for it, actually, because it's yeah. like, okay, yes, it's difficult to go to your employer or, you know, anybody yeah. as a supplicant and yeah. say, I need help. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so you thought that was shameful. Yeah. Like, this is shameful in a way that you're never going to be able to live down. Yeah, I mean, as Mr. Crabb said when they were discussing um, the makeup, cosmetics yeah. in the previous episode, oh which they decided to do only under the table, mm-hmm, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, because then Mr. Selvidge was like, let's go back to our wives because, like, you know, his mom had been encouraging him to keep his relationship with Ellen Love professional. Right. And anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He decided, you know, to cool his heels on that and go home to his wife. But she was getting painted. <laughs> right. Um,
0: if you know what I mean.
1: So Mr. Crabb has pointed out, you know, reputation in London is everything. And if you screw up, you're never forgiven.
0: Yeah. So, goodbye, Ms. Bunting, and uh, Enj- we're not, we're not en- optimistic. Enjoy
1: being a middle-aged prostitute. Um, I don't know yeah. what other options you have in have, that have
0: fun in the workhouse. Uh, anyway.
1: Better lay in a supply of gin.
0: Yeah. So, it's kind of a downer of an opening there.
1: Yeah. Because it, it does cut right into the, you know, the upbeat, like, <laughs> bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and you're like, ah, this is sad.
0: Yeah. Which is stuck in my head all the time now.
1: Yeah. They use it all the time, like, in the show.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's catchy. I'm it's, driving it's around. very effective. Finger snapping.
1: So uh, Mr. Selfridge then goes into his office. He he tells Blankenship <laughs> that uh, they have to find a replacement for Miss Bunting. And she's like, what? Yeah. He's like, anyone can be replaced. But he doesn't explain why. <laughs> like, That's that- clearly what she wanted to know.
0: Right. And it was like, that seemed... To, well, because first she says that there's another... Uh, Miss Love has hand-delivered another card. Barf. Then... That's what he says right as he gets in the door. Then he says about Miss Bunting, and she's like, oh, whatever. And he's like, anybody can be replaced. Which, if I'm in Blankensop, I'm like, is that a threat against me? But No, and that's fact, how she
1: took it. She was like, what? Right. I'm Blankensop, bitch.
0: Right. But what in his mind he was thinking of was one Ellen Love. Yes. Whose card he puts unread into a drawer filled with other unread cards.
1: Uh, Blankensop is his spam filter, man. <laughs> she's the bomb.
0: <laughs> that's true.
1: Uh back at the House of Sadness. Yeah. AKA uh Agnes and George's flat. Yeah,
0: the Taller residence. The
1: Taller residence. They're they're sitting down to their evening meal.
0: Yes. And then there's a very dramatic pan to the doorknob.
1: Yeah, and there's a clattering and a you know rattling of the doorknob. Yeah. And George says, Oh, Mrs. Payne must have left the front door open again. Which prompts me to ask, Mrs. Payne. Bad landlady or the <laughs> worst landlady like you had one job no you had one <laughs> job your one job is to protect your residence yeah because like, you know Agnes and George seem like great tenants to me apart from their alcoholic <coughs> father right who you would think it would be in her best interest to keep out of there
0: yeah <sighs> but uh yeah he uh, he's he's there and you know drunkenly demanding to be let in and all this sort of thing. And Agnes is just really like, no, mm-hmm. just ignore him, you know, because George keeps turning around and feeling like he should be doing something. She's like, just eat up before it gets cold. Uh, and the, as the scene's ending, she's saying, this mutton is lovely, which, by the way, not true.
1: Look, man, they're <laughs> what are they going to do. I know. Uh, no, but I also just want to give a shout I for- forgot to look up his name, but the mm. guy who plays George, yeah. he does so much with very little in the way of material. Like, right, right. You know, we don't, we don't get a whole lot of scenes of just George. Mm-hmm. You know, he always seems to be sort of in service of uh, Agnes or Victor. Right, or, right. Or Reg, uh, Mr. Towler. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's definitely a unique character. Because like, we yeah. know he's sort of like, he's a little slow. He's got all these things going on, but he's, there's so much humanity. Yeah. You know, he's not playing this as a caricature.
0: Right. And you can see all the different like all the different conflicting mm-hmm. things he thinks well, when his father's around. Well, he's afraid
1: of his father, but he feels like he shouldn't be afraid of his father. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. It's yeah. really well done. Agreed. And, and the same goes as well for Miss Towler. Mm-hmm. I think that she, she's, you know, she's the Elizabeth Moss of this show. <laughs> yeah, she does yeah. so much just with her facial expressions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, then we cut to Anna Pavlova. Uh, although apparently it should be pronounced Pavlova, but in in, in England, uh, I'm the-
1: sorry, Anglo or nothing, bitch.
0: Oh, right? So Pavlova, who is doing some ballet dressed as a swan, so get ready for some hallucinations and body horror, everybody. That is perfect. <laughs> no, there's none of that, sadly. That yeah. th- that would be a jarring tonal clash. Really I have to would, say, it would
1: not be the Mr. Selfridge that <laughs> we know and
0: love. Would not fit with the theme song.
1: No, <laughs> you have to be like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs>
0: Uh, but the Mr. and Mrs. Selfridge are in the audience uh it's a you know fair, it's in like a room it's a fairly small yeah select. This, this
1: was their youtube party <laughs> oh, right, or maybe this is the h b o of the day
0: oh yeah that's actually true it's
1: not the regular ballet <laughs> it's h b o
0: yes <laughs> uh, it's a private performance uh and i I liked it because uh, Mr. Selfridge is sitting there, just, you know, sort of sitting there. If he had a and,
1: program, he would have been, like, shredding it. Uh, right. A la Homer Simpson in a streetcar named Marge.
0: Yes. But Mrs. Selfridge is entranced. And, I mean, I, you know, personally, I'm on Mr. Selfridge's side. I've never gotten oh, ballet. Ballet
1: is just, ah, uh, I mean, look, I don't even like, I don't actively like it. Mm-hmm. But every time I've ever seen ballet, I mean, it's just, it is, it's enchanting. Okay. and just the things that these people can do with their bodies and like the women are so strong and the men are stronger and they dance and they point their toes they stand on their toes
0: I'm aware of that it's
1: amazing Yeah, they wear beautiful costumes no
0: I mean and that's fine that's it's not Well, and actually I mean I'll tell you honestly the truth is a part of it is that I was in marching band ah. and ballet they're often like not quite on the beat uh-huh. and that's fine in ballet apparently but it just like grates on me whenever I see it <laughs> But yeah, uh, it is the, the famous ballerina Anna Pavlova. Who I, was, I was looking up a little bit about her. What she's doing is not from Swan Lake. Ah. Yes. What she's doing is not from Swan Lake. It is a solo piece that was composed for her called The Dying Swan. Ah. But it has apparently since then often influenced performances of Swan Lake. Did it Lake.
1: influence the Bolshoi?
0: I don't know. I just said, it just said future performances okay. have. I mean, often, yeah. I mean, yeah. the,
1: the arm motion you can see mm,
0: mm-hmm. in black Swan. Yeah. Uh, but Pavlova, her deal was, she was not, you know, as she was coming up, there was sort of an Academy that was very, there were sort of very strict rules about, you know, the positions of your feet and all this sort of thing. You were supposed to hit very specific poses mm-hmm. and shapes and everything like that. And she didn't, but she had the sort of expressiveness and the artistry that so she was the Mila Kunis. She she was, yes. And she also she, uh, basically invented the modern point shoe because at the time your shoes were not supposed to be helping. You were taught that if your toes are supposed to be holding your weight.
1: Oh God! Right?
0: But her feet couldn't really do that. She was she was delicate. She couldn't do a lot of things.
1: Careful, my bones.
0: <laughs> Essentially, yes. And one of her teachers early on berated her for trying to do these things that her body wasn't built for. She's like, And her teacher was like, listen, stop doing this. This is not what your body is for. Stop trying to impress people with these tricks, mm-hmm. you know, and just be beautiful or whatever. Um, She's
1: kind of a badass.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, she, But so she invented a set what be... The, the modern point show. Yeah, the precursor to it. Although she was somewhat embarrassed by it. And in pictures, she would always either... Not have it on or have it, like, retouched out mm-hmm. at when when her picture was taken. Yeah. Uh, and last thing about her, there is a dessert named after her that was invented in either Australia or New Zealand. They kind of have a rivalry over where it's invented. Um, but it's basically like a meringue except with a harder crust and then uh, fruit toppings uh, and if you look up its Wikipedia page, the profile picture for the Pavlova dessert is looks so delicious. <laughs> I wanted to just eat that picture.
1: <laughs> well, maybe I'll make you one for your birthday.
0: <laughs> maybe so. All right. So that's my Pavlova info.
1: Okay. Well, so Pavlova does her performance, and Mrs. Selfridge is basically moved to tears. Mm-hmm. She's talking about it afterward with Rosalie and Lady May and, and – uh, you know, saying that it was this moment of perfect beauty and that, you know, Mr. Selfridge comes over and, and Lady May asks, "So, oh, you know, did you enjoy it? He said, you know, the, the look on my wife's face would have made me love anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, even Ellen Love. I, <laughs> right. But like he, you know, he wants to know why she liked it so much. And she just thought everyone, she says everyone should have a Pavlova moment. And... Uh, you know, Lady like, Lady May's all like, uh, uh-huh, bitch, this is HBO. <laughs> this is not for them. But the wheels have started turning. And this is all for Mr. just like,
0: uh, I just trademarked that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my idea now. Thanks, honey. <laughs> yeah. Uh Pavlova comes in and everyone applauds. Mm-hmm. And uh Oh I guess I missed the there's a part where Lady May is, is talking about Rosalie. Because Rosalie has gone off to go talk to Mr. Selfridge. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you know, your daughter is so, you know, fresh and unspoiled. But I suspect you'll prevent her from being corrupted. <laughs> it's just like the whole time that she's interacting with her. I could like Lady May's like, oh, you're so young and beautiful. I look forward to eating your heart. <laughs> right. She just seems like an evil witch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's like, I hope she isn't corrupted by the world. And by the world, I mean me and my fellow undead. <laughs>
1: Uh, she does have a little bit of, you know, a shellacked thing <laughs> she going does. on.
0: I was, I spent some minutes during this episode imagining her as a vampire on True Blood, but I realized I, I don't, vampires wouldn't work in England in the True Blood sense because like everybody knows where your family for hundreds of years, uh-huh. if you've been alive for hundreds of years in the upper classes, it would be known. wouldn't like, uh,
1: but they do have those flashbacks on True Blood sometimes of people in London like as vampires
0: yeah that's true but i don't think i, I don't think oh could have you mean been...
1: as okay you mean specifically lady may well right well but she wasn't always nobility yeah that's true that's so true. working theory lady may vampire excellent anyway that happens and then you know when pavlova actually comes in mr selfridge goes up and he's all like hey I'm mr selfridge <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's like oh you yeah And then, you know, uh, Rosalie and Lady May are clapping very daintily, (laughs) right? according to the custom. But then uh, Mrs. Selfridge snarkily says to Lady May, oh, in America, we like to show our enthusiasm. And I'm like, why are you being a bitch to her? She's just trying to help you out. Like, she's just, you know, I know she seems sinister, but (laughs) she just is like that.
0: Yes. Note that Rosalie continues clapping daintily.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, well, again, she's trying to get a husband. Yeah.
0: She has a new mom now.
1: She does have a new <laughs> mom. She has two mommies and one of them is clearly better than the other one.
0: Yeah. Then we've got a scene, I think we might have had two scenes of Mr. Edwards in the gaiety dressing room. Oh, er,
1: mustache? Yes. I'm like, who?
0: Yeah, mustache guy. <laughs> uh, we haven't, we haven't talked about him for a while. Uh, but the person that, that introduced the two crazy lovebirds, Ellen Love and Mr. Selfridge. Um, <laughs>
1: They call him Sloppy Seconds Mustache Guy. (laughs) You know why. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I do have him written down as everybody's second choice. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) But, basically, Ellen Love has snapped. Uh, She is just talking about how he won't... uh, Mr. Selfridge won't see her, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And Mr. Edwards is like, well, you know, uh... Just maybe calm down for a minute. You know, you know how he'll have uh, a new thing or whatever. And she's like, no, he's my man. Look at all these things he gave me. And I was like, no, you... You've
1: you... really got it backwards. Yeah, that's exactly... Like, exact... things, things... Uh, yeah. No, that's not how it works. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the things person, are what... The person pa- making the purchase is the one that has the ownership. Yes. If you're being paid, you're the thing that's owned. Yeah, like, that's...
1: and like... People buy things for people they don't want to spend time
0: with. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like,
0: Mm -hmm. that's –
1: if any of you are in this situation uh, and you're getting a lot of gifts from someone that you know to be married, you (laughs) may want to reconsider and uh, work on your self-esteem. Yeah. And
0: you can really see – I like Mr. Edwards in this scene because he has this horrified realization he had just always assumed that Ellen Love was a savvy lady. And
1: uh, he thought he thought she was an operator. Yeah. But she's not. She's a true believer. Yeah. Which is the worst kind of person to have an affair with.
0: Yeah. And he's like... And he just sees her. He sees the path that she is on at this point. Yeah. And, and can't... You, you know, can't, he's trying to you help can't, her, but... You can't he's not talk crazy
1: off the cliff sometimes, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. But I do... This was the scene... Her performance in this scene is so good. Mm-hmm. Because you can see that there is, you know, the operator part of her brain is still working. Right. But she is just working so hard to shut it down yeah. and ignore that because yeah. then she would have to confront the fact that she is essentially a prostitute. Yeah. Which is not a thing that anybody likes to confront. Yeah. Especially if technically you're not a prostitute. <laughs> right. If you're a prostitute, I think you're like, well... No, I think, you know, it should work <laughs> real hard. Just the same shit I always see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um...
0: You know, and she's convinced that this is her ticket out just as Lady May worked her way up from court. No, and she
1: points that out and Lady May, you know, has said that in reference to Ellen Love to Mrs. Selfridge. Like, you know, watch out. I did it myself. (laughs) Yeah. Like (laughs) not as hard as you (laughs) Yeah. Although I wonder, you know, Lord Loxley must have not been married at the time. Because I mean
0: that's yeah this is
1: what separates the Ellen Loves Mm -hmm. from the Lady Mays. Yeah. Is, you know, you have to manage your expectations and you you know if your if your goal is to marry into a better class of society you should really make sure that the person you're trying to use for that doesn't have a wife and like eleven million kids yeah. and a mother that lives with him. Yeah. Like he's 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 yeah. tied down, like for real. Yeah. He got married.
0: hmm Yeah, although the chorus girls marrying up was definitely a trope. I just know like in the Woodhouse novels, mm-hmm. like every fourth or fifth story is one of Bertie's aristocratic friends getting involved with a chorus girl. Yeah,
1: and then everybody mobilized like, <laughs> stop it. Right. Then we get a scene that's very sad and weird of Miss Martle by herself in bed. At first we thought it was um, Miss Bunting.
0: But it's Miss Martle just in
1: bed and she's lying there and then she just pulls this pillow down and like is hugging it. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, tell Mr. Selfridge to invent the body pillow <laughs> for whatever it is that you're doing right now. She just she looks she looks hella sad.
0: She does look hella sad. And I don't
1: like when Miss Martle looks sad. No. Fun fact. I think I've got this right. Uh, I think there's going to be a cameo by Martin Freeman, who plays Watson oh. in the new Sherlock, mm-hmm. uh, but also played um, Arthur Dent in right. uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie, which I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people didn't like it. Wow. But he... Um, he is married to her or they're long time partners oh i
0: didn't know that that's
1: what i like that about british actors is in in many cases they are not married Mm -hmm. i think it you know it's in part an american thing for people to like like you have to get married right right um but you know in britain it's just like oh no no we're just companions yeah they are companions on the (laughs) journey breaking bread and hugging pillows they, they
0: don't need no piece of paper from the city hall they don't Or the, you know, town pub. I don't know what they have in Britain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's the town pub. I know. That's more of a common law thing. (laughs) Oh, they shared a pint at the pub. (laughs) They're together forever now. (laughs) Let the bonds that Mr. Guinness has forged never be put asunder.
0: (laughs) Then we get a uh, scene of a chaotic Selfridge family breakfast. Uh, the two uh, little kids that we don't care about are arguing about something.
1: Ugh, fucking Gordon. <laughs> yeah. I hate that kid. I know. He's the worst.
0: Yeah. Um, and Beatrice is talking about how she's upset that she didn't get to see Pavlova. Only Rosalie. And I should did. die
1: if I could meet Pavlova. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, she's the worst actor of four terrible actors. <laughs> Rosalie's not bad. Rosalie's not bad. But, yeah. like, the rest, I'm just like, where did you find these kids? No. Seriously. It's, is there not, like, you know, the,
0: I think, a I little
1: think, Vicky Tappa 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 <laughs> Institute over in Britain
0: that you could have used? I think the fact that, like, people's ability to find good child actors has dramatically increased over the last, say, 10 years or so, which obscures the fact that it's actually really hard to find that a good really child hard, actor. Yeah. In any case, uh, you know, Beatrice is saying that she was wants to be a ballerina. Don't you know that I'm going to be a ballerina?
1: To Grandma. To Grandma, Grandma Selfridge is amazing, by the way. Yeah. Love her
0: uh grandma and she says well i thought you were going to be a a chorus dancer or whatever and she's like can't i do both and grandma says i think you can do whatever you set your mind to not true "Uh, no you can't do both you really that's one thing you actually have to
1: both of those subcultures would be like fuck you yeah (laughs) that's how very dare you
0: yeah you you could do either perhaps but not both
1: yeah, but then uh, Mrs. Selfridge comes in, and and Beatrice is like, Tell you all about Pavlova. And she's like, Didn't Rosalie tell you? I specifically sat <laughs> down here early to do that. And Rosalie's like, Mother, I'm not talking to her. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, Good choice. Yeah. Um, I don't mingle
0: with commoners anymore.
1: <laughs> Lady May and I are going to take over all London society. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's when she says, I should just die if I should meet Pavlova. And then Mr. Selfridge comes and says, Oh, I better cancel this. Fabulous thing I have planned. And then she says, Oh, you know, I'll kiss you forty times a day if I can meet Pavlova and I'm like, uh, I think you should have started a little lower there.
0: (laughs) I know, but he says make it fifty and you've got a deal. And like, ah, sucker. She would have gone up to eighty.
1: I know. But anyway, turns out He's bringing in Pavlova to the store and yet another one of his stunt events Mm -hmm. and he's arranged for the entire family to meet her and for Rosalie to have, I'm sorry, Rose. God, it is so confusing. I know. Parents, don't name your kids after yourselves. It's bad enough that we're all procreating anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but you don't, you know, it's very confusing. Yeah. Anyway, but he has arranged for Rose to have afternoon tea with Pavlova, and everybody's happy. Uh, He gets an applause break from his family Uh, at breakfast, and I'm like, that dude, (laughs) that dude. It's
0: pretty impressive. I believe we have a quick shot at this point of uh, Reg Towler lurking somewhere.
1: Yeah, just being drunk.
0: Which I believe if, when asked his profession, he answers, lurking, (laughs) just generally lurking.
1: Goons. (laughs) Hide, had (laughs) Goons. I'm sorry about all of the Simpson references, and by I'm sorry, I mean you're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then we have a uh, staff meeting. I love the staff meetings. I love them so much. Yes, yes, I love going to meetings at my job, (laughs) and I love watching them on TV. It's super fun. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, oh, wait, no, we're not even at the staff meeting yet. Okay. Okay, so this woman is riding her bicycle. Yeah. And she yeah. uh, comes into the store. She goes up to the accessories counter and asks to see their finest, their finest lace collars with pearl accents. Kitty and Doris are very skeptical. They're like, "Oh, we're not open yet." And the woman is like, uh, "I'm not a client, or I wouldn't be here before doors opening. Give me those effing collars." Yeah, which also
0: struck me as client versus customer. Uh-huh. But anyway, yeah,
1: no, I prefer that actually. Yeah, that is still. Uh... <laughs> When retail establishments want to put on airs, <laughs> uh, when I worked at Crabtree and Evelyn, we called them customers. Mm. When I worked at Dress Barn, we called them clients. Oh, wow. Uh, wrong. Yes. Dress Barn. Frickin' wrong.
0: Yeah. Crabtree's much nicer.
1: It is much nicer. They, they get a little uppity with her and they're like, uh, you'll need to ask uh miss martle and she's like yeah whatever she's like fuck miss martle give me those collars she like makes kitty take these pins yeah and then she goes off to the fashion department and is like doing her thing
0: yeah and i mean she definitely like power trips on them like hardcore like she just holds the pins up without uh-huh. lifting her eyes from what she's no. doing and waits for somebody to stick their hand out it was
1: so then when we get to the staff meeting we find out that this is uh miss irene revilius yeah who is going to be the new head of fashion trained at the house of lucille which is where Edith got her wedding dress, uh-huh so uh, she's there and, and and Mr. Selfridge is selling her, he's like oh she she thinks you know fashion's going to overtake accessories someday. You can just see like Miss Martle like <laughs> getting increasingly upset, yeah, but uh, he says that she is going to make it so that uh, women 's fashion is on demand uh, as it currently is, yes. so spoiler alert, it worked,
0: yeah which the the first uh, con- as always. <laughs> The Mr. staff is Crab. concerned, uh, but Mr. Crab is like, "But don't women?" Uh, and he's
1: making like the he's, boob yeah, gesture, he's
0: make, right? Is like uh, tend to uh, and is like what, Mr. Crab? Uh, different shapes and sizes. And he says, "Of course." So we'll, we'll we'll have to stock all shapes and sizes. Uh, spoiler alert: nobody stocks all shapes and that's sizes. that's true. Like,
1: uh-huh. Dress barn. <laughs> 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 They've got that barn-shaped market down. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, what they're proposing is really revolutionary. Mm -hmm. I mean, the you know the idea that this is going to render entire parts of their employ useless. Right. I mean, you know, you know, I guess maybe I'm thinking too far ahead, but you know, the assumption then is that you know the seamstresses that they employ to custom make all of the clothes mm-hmm. are then out of a job. Yeah. Because once they figure out how to mass produce everything... Right. You know, fuck those ladies. Well. I mean, when was the last time you were in a store that had a seamstress? Like, some of the really high-end ones will for alterations, but mm-hmm. very few places, you know, probably you have to no, go to I mean, a couture house yeah, like at the, this point.
0: Last time for me was... The tuxedo for our wedding. Yeah, and mine yes. was
1: my wedding dress yeah. for our wedding. Yeah. So that's like the only time that you ever get any alterations. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Miss Martle then confronts Miss Ravilius and and says, uh, hey, guess what? Don't you dare take shit from my department again and Miss Revillius is like, uh, get over yourself. Yeah. And then they have this great exchange because um Miss Blankensop and this was noted by Doris and Kitty as well mm-hmm. she says your your skirts are much shorter than the norm and she says oh yes I believe in the rational clothing movement which yeah. I really should have looked up
0: yeah I know I wrote it down um, to look up and I forgot but to. you know it,
1: it's just it's just what it sounds like it's yeah. that you know clothes should be uh, about function rather than form right and she says that she doesn't use whalebone stays she finds that vigorous exercise is enough to keep her figure intact yeah uh miss martle looks as though you could just knock her over with a feather mm-hmm. she is scandalized and yeah. this woman clearly is here to play hardball yeah uh no no cushy uh <laughs> you know buddy buddy camaraderie as right. she had with uh the dear departed miss bunting this yeah. is this woman's out for blood yeah and, but I mean, but again, in a completely she came
0: to chew gum and kick ass.
1: Yeah, and fucking nobody chews gum unless right. it's got cocaine in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it's it's interesting. I really like the character of Miss Rovilius because even more so than Miss Morrill, she is about her business. Yeah, she yeah. is not there to coddle anyone. Yeah, she is there for herself. Yeah, and you know, she you know who she reminds me of is Tilda Swinton yeah that is who she reminds me of is tilda swinton in the sense that she just is on her own plane she could give two shits what anybody else thinks about her Mm -hmm. what i'm saying is she's my hero (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) then we go back to ellen love um, oh wait I think oh, he's sorry. also
1: announced that he's bringing Pavlova in
0: oh, oh right uh, and he to says every staff. woman
1: should have a Pavlova moment which he totally ripped off from his wife yes I disagree I think every woman should have a Leclerc moment <laughs> that to me would be much more exciting yes. I'm like yes go ahead flap your wings little ballerina but I am here to bang
0: yeah okay no I know because cause they, they're they like will she mingle he's like I'm paying her she better mingle
1: I ah, oh, I love him he's so yeah. he's gauche I think yeah. that's why he liked Ellen Love and I mean yeah yeah it's always unfortunate when the gauche meets the gauche and then one of them is like I gotta be less gauche yeah you gotta go shh.
0: <laughs> so anyway back at Casa de Gauche oh god um <laughs> Mustache is again talking to Alan Lavi. He, he, apolog- he says she offers him a drink and he's like, "Oh, it's kind of early." It's like, "You know, my backward life, night is day." She
1: says, "I'm an upside-down creature. I'm
0: an upside-down creature. My day is my night, my night is my day. Cocaine is my sex, my sex is cocaine. It's just a whole a whole thing."
1: I think she's also a vampire.
0: <laughs> it's it's possible. But basically, this is essentially the same conversation as before, but she learns that pavlova is going to be at selfridges and she says that she must be there to greet her she is the spirit of selfridges by god and
1: And i just want to be like bitch you're not the spirit of shit anymore yeah and cut off
0: yeah and edwards is like
1: uh maybe
0: don't do that but
1: and then she's like get out and he's like but i just started drinking my wine (laughs) yeah he is
0: (laughs) yeah that's because that's another she offers him there, and he says the red stuff is my poison yeah
1: Good old Mrs. <laughs> Selfridge is back for another round of eye fuckery. Yep. Uh, and, and, uh, she's she's standing there and she's like how much longer and i mean seriously sitting for a painting is no joke i worked as a clothes model during college Mm-mm. and it is the worst no especially if you wind up with a pose like hers where she has to hold her arm up yeah like you don't realize how terrible that is until you have to do it
0: yeah no i saw that i was like what a terrible pose to have to you know for a first time yeah. model that's mm. yeah
1: so anyway uh she does something goofy with her hair and he's yeah. like, all right, we'll take a break, blah, blah, blah. And she wants to see the picture. And he's like, no, not until it's ready for the Ch- –
0: uh, The Chelsea – The Chelsea – The
1: Chelsea Art Fair or Art S- Gallery or something. Something
0: like that, yeah. And,
1: you know, some two-bit operation. Or
0: auction maybe. Yeah. But,
1: but she's like, oh, he's going to buy it for my husband. And he's like, mm, quit talking about your <laughs> husband. I'm trying yeah. to bang you.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh, there's no husband in this painting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she is, she is about to leave to go back to said husband. But he's like, no, you need to come down to the, you know, uh, artist hanging out place or whatever. The club is the club. what he <laughs> says. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, you, you've you got to see what's there. There's uh, paintings there that are revolutionary, all this sort of thing. Then he
1: starts singing, two days of inspiration, playing <laughs> hooky, making something out of nothing. The need to express, to communicate.
0: Yeah. It's like, come on, you know how you love paintings
1: and <laughs> she's like with your dick yeah
0: yeah so she's apparently talked into it
1: so uh mr selfridge has informed his staff you know because pavlova's coming he wants all kinds of innovative things and ways to tie into her appearance so he wants everybody to come to his office and tell him you know what they're gonna do mm-hmm. so uh miss Revillius is you know, probably had... You know, she she woke up with 14 Pavlova-specific ideas <laughs> despite not knowing that this was happening. <laughs> right. uh, she's like, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast, Miss Martle. <laughs> so... She has put, you know, a lace collar on this dumb cape. It is the ugliest thing I've ever it seen. It really is. And like, it, it, it would make a woman look three times her size. Yeah. It's, What's the point of all those whalebone corsets?
0: Yeah. I, I assume it's something that Pavlova actually historically wore. That's true. You know, because I, I can't imagine they really thought it was a good idea. They're like, look, this is, it's what history says. We have to pretend to like it.
1: So anyway, Mr. Selfridge loves it. And he asks to have his wife's initials sewn in. She says, she, you know, she'll have seamstresses you know, put them together as best she can. But then back down on the sales floor, Miss Martle is, you know, telling uh, Kitty and Doris, she's like, don't you let that bitch take <laughs> anything from this department ever. And I'm like, you are severely overestimating Kitty and Doris's yeah. ability to she, do anything. She
0: also asks them for ideas. Unless, is this your brain trust, No, she Ms. asks Martel, them could- and Miss
1: Teller. Miss Teller's like, I only have ideas in the presence of Mr. <laughs> He's my muse. <laughs> um... But speak of the devil, he comes over and, and says that he needs to borrow Miss Towler for fashion. Yeah. And Miss Myrtle just loses it. She's like, why don't you just take the whole department? He's like, no, just, just Miss Towler.
0: <laughs> I hate those two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and those two get mad. Kitty's like, she's no better than us. She's so much better than you, <laughs> Clearly. Kitty. Clearly. Like, when did you ever have an idea?
0: If, if you were so great, Monsieur Leclerc would know.
1: He would. Ah, oh, He's like a soothsayer. <laughs> a beautiful Gallic soothsayer.
0: Yeah, so Miss Martle then goes up To Mr. Grove's office And comes in and she's excited She closes the door behind her and she says I have the tickets for Drury Lane tonight And he's like, oh About that
1: My invalid wife, her nurse has the night off
0: Yeah And he's like, and she's, you know Like, okay, whatever, he's like, well here Let me pay for them, you can take a friend She says, it was my treat And, (sighs) yeah
1: so many feelings yeah it's so upsetting yeah
0: and then he says oh by the way uh because i think she complained she, no
1: she says you need to let mr Villiers know that she can't just be taking my shit and he's like oh she already did
0: yeah she took it for an idea that she's presenting right now to mr selfridge Mr. like good man not miss martle's day no this is super all. not
1: her day yeah she already was sad and hugging her pillow last night. Like, yeah. This is just not good. Yeah. Well, you know, she lost her best friend at work. Yeah. Her work buddy. Yeah. Miss Revillius is there ruining her life. And now her boyfriend with the invalid wife can't go to the theater with her. No. It's very sad. Yep. Up in the palm court, uh, Lady May is there. And <laughs> I love this scene because uh, Victor brings her her food. And she says... <sighs> I think someday I'm going to turn into a boring chicken, cluck <laughs> cluck. <laughs> just like what? Yeah. Anyway, so he says I could go spice this up for you. So she's like, "Yeah, do that." Yeah. Um. So, uh, then he brings her back, uh, chicken with a gentleman's relish, and I'm like, "What is that, spooge?" <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? That's
0: that's not gentleman, Kelly. <laughs> uh.
1: Anyway. So he serves her this dick flavored chicken, all the rage in Paris. (laughs) No, no, no. Really, whatever a gentleman's relish is, and he's also got uh, chopped up capers and onions. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, chopped up capers and olives, which sounds like all of my favorite things. (laughs) Yeah. So she takes literally one bite. Literally. And she's like, oh, I'll look forward to having more from you in a few hours.
0: Tasting more from you. Yeah.
1: That meant spooge.
0: Yes, it did. (laughs)
1: Um,. So yeah, so she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm coming back for afternoon tea with Mrs. Selfridge."
0: Yeah, and so she gets up to leave.
1: Really, one bite? Just one bite? Like what a bitch! Yeah, they're starving people, literally ten feet from this you know (laughs) restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy! This episode moves way faster than the first one.
0: It really does. Uh, we did I, uh, a scene that I think actually came right before this one uh, back with the, with the artists. Mm-hmm. All the artists were gathered around being raucous and bohemian and talking to Mrs. Buckingham, mm-hmm. as they know her, uh, and asking about her husband and whether he's a patron of the arts and blah, blah, blah. And she keeps trying to be like, oh, I should really leave. And they're like, no, no, no. Like one of them actually shoves her down on the chair. Because listen, they don't let rich people leave without buying paintings. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of scamming to be a bohemian. It does. <laughs> uh, oh, and by the way, as we were discussing during this episode, there's no way that fake Gyllenhaal is not living off of money
1: f- from his parents. From
0: his parents. Yeah.
1: Repeatedly. Not in that nice studio. Yeah.
0: That money repeatedly, embarrassedly <sighs> borrowed from his parents.
1: The club must be in his building.
0: Yes. It and that's, must be. I didn't
1: put that together. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Uh, then we see Ellen Love like throwing clothes around in her apartment trying to get dressed. Here's what I want to know. How the shit does she get dressed? Because her clothes are at least as intricate and complicated as is her hair. Yeah. Like her hair is second only to Lady Mays in terms of being complicated. Yeah. And I do not know how she does it by herself. Yeah. Because like in terms of
0: at the, at the theater, I'm sure she has a dresser, oh, totally. that which just never bothered to be introduced the, yeah, to. Yeah, and there's
1: like that lady, yeah, what's the, her name, yeah, Heather or something. Yeah.
0: Heather. Nancy. Claire. Nancy. Susan. Nancy. It was Nancy. Yeah. Um.
1: um yeah, but I'm like, how, how does she, because she looks good all the time. No, how does really, she manage it? Servants
0: seem so necessary to getting dressed at Downton Abbey, and they don't seem to be wearing different clothes here. So Their
1: was, clothes are actually much more Victorian. Right. So, so yeah,
0: it is a question, but I think it's just one of those, you know, when did, what's his name with the steam? Show? Mike
1: Mulligan. When did
0: Mike Mulligan go to the bathroom sort of situation? Maybe
1: I'll email Evangeline Holland because Maybe. I bet she would have some good insight as to how women dress themselves
0: yeah.
1: in the absence of help.
0: <laughs> then we have an enjoyable 10 second scene of Reg Taller stumbling onto a bus. <laughs> and, throwing like, a bus. <laughs> and throwing a bottle. <laughs> is this the bus to Gin Town? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gin a real town. <laughs> that was two credible Rock references in one podcast. That's true. I just want to say that I'm amazing. You are. So then we're back at Selfridge's and Pavlova is there and Mr. Selfridge is just giving her Everything. Everything. He's given her a Colombian emerald necklace, mm-hmm. lotions, perfumes, the whole shebang.
0: Yeah. She's
1: there traveling with her, you know, assistant matron person yeah. Sonia, and she asks, you know, Sonia, do we have enough luggage to get this all back? <laughs> and Sonia says something in Russian that we don't understand, which is probably like, "Fuck no, dude. <laughs> right. Like this is the best scam we ever ran.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like we can just pawn these emeralds.
1: Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Mr. Selfridge, being the thoughtful huckster he is, uh, has ordered up a bunch of luggage for Miss Pavlova to take yeah. back with her to Russia. And also
0: interrupts them by, by saying, spasibo.
1: Yeah. He so... has uh, studied a Russian phrase book, which yeah. is great. I admire that. Savvy. Back at the Selfridge residence, they are all gearing up to go to meet Pavlova. Gordon being the complete drip that he is. Like, if Ma's not going, I'm not going. Yes.
0: They're all confused by the fact that their mother is not home, as she should have been. And they think perhaps she is already there.
1: Yes. So Grandma Selfridge decides, you know, we're all going to go. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah. Uh, So back at the store, uh, on the store, on the the sales floor, uh, Pavlova is about to be making her entrance. Crowd is gathering around. And Mr. Edwards is there. Looking around nervously as he's, you know, and I'm like, you know what you should actually be doing, Mr. Edwards, is waiting outside with chloroform. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> no, he had some trouble with that back at, uh, back at Cambridge. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that, you know, it was a scandal, had to be hushed up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we've also got a... a I, I, then we go back to the the Bohemian Club or whatever, and they're all sort of like piling out. They're like, ah, oh, we should go out and do something. And
1: no, they're they're saying they're going to witness history.
0: Yes, to witness history. And I I was just like Mrs. Selfridge. At some point, you need to stop saying I can't and start saying I can't. Yeah. Like you you had things scheduled here. Yeah.
1: Look, I don't respect what she did. Yeah. Like I mean, I've. I've done some things, yeah. in my life. But I mean, come on, yeah. Like, if you arranged for me to meet, uh, who would I want to meet? Maggie Smith. If you would yes. arrange for me to meet Maggie Smith, and I was I fucking a painter, right? I would have been like, guess what, painter that I'm, I fucking, <laughs> I gotta go meet Maggie Smith, like right now. So you need to back off, buddy.
0: Yeah, I work very flexible hours. So I can fit you in any time.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, God, so stupid.
0: Uh but. What does finally uh, trigger it is they say that they're going to see Pavlova, and Miss Selfridge is like, uh, oh, and then she does change her tone and is like, uh, I need to talk to you, buddy, and and pulls him aside uh, and reveals that she is not, in fact, Mrs. Buckingham, as she has said, but she is Mrs. Selfridge.
1: And he is pissed off.
0: Yes, which... uh hey dickhole you did know she was married she
1: did make that explicitly clear like
0: so i don't know what you thought was gonna happen
1: yeah because he's all like oh is this revenge for ellen love which like fair play to you buddy like, uh, yeah way to keep up with it, current events
0: that, well he says half of london knows about it uh-huh. so
1: well and he says that his father says he's an idiot further supporting our right. theory that he's been living off his <laughs> parents and you know they're expecting him to give up this stupid painting idea any day now and go into <laughs> business yeah um But he, you know, he says, you knew I was falling in love with you. And I'm like, she still was married, dude. Right. Who doesn't, it it doesn't matter who she was married to. I know. No. And she says that she and Harry have their own bond, which she looks like she believes a bit less than when she was saying it to Lady May.
0: Yeah. But she says something about it's his nature to have these attachments Uh and it's her nature to remain in love with
1: him. Yes. And, and, but I believe that. Yeah. I do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. But as she's leaving, she says, you know, she was tempted. And she yeah. owes him at least that much honesty. Yes. Uh, unbeknownst <laughs> to them, <laughs> Tony, Lady May's erstwhile lover, yeah. has apparently been installed by her in this building. Or maybe he just hangs out there hoping for, you know, gossip to be <laughs> <Right>. back <laughs> to the head vampire. Uh, but he. he has overheard all of this and yes. looks quite pleased <laughs> he's a little his, little smirk no he's there. like usually when i get drunk i don't find out anything <laughs> <interesting."> <laughs> so uh i suspect this is not the last we will see of one mr tony whatever the hell his name is
0: indeed even lady may doesn't know
1: no talk about some th- like more so than roddy he yeah. should not be credited with the last name on imdb <laughs> yeah. oh god so then Ellen Love decides to show up at Selfridge's like the classless trash that she is.
0: Oh, man. And th- this is br- brutal.
1: This is... It's almost as uncomfortable as all the scenes with Reg Towler.
0: Well, except it's also a scene with Reg yeah, Towler. It's,
1: this is the mo- I just hope this is the most uncomfortable that Mr. Selfridge ever gets. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't think I can take any more.
0: Yeah. And again, this is meant as a compliment. You know, it's, as, inc- it's Look, as uncomfortable as it was meant to be. One
1: time when I was working at Crabtree and Evelyn, this dude that I kind of went out with a couple times, you know, early on in college before I met you, came in with his girlfriend. <laughs> I saw him. He saw me. We both remembered who each other was. <laughs> and I, we just kept, you know, being at opposite ends of a very tiny store. <laughs> yeah, that was it not was a big It was a very small store. Uh, this... Was more awkward than that. And I lived that. Yeah. You know? That was a real thing that happened to me.
0: Yeah, but... So Ellen comes in... Oh, God. And is so classless that it's horrifying. She wants to go up and she, you know, forces her way to Pavlova uh, and says that she has to get a picture taken with her, all this stuff, and... And it's so like, no,
1: and Beatrice, who's the only person more classless than Ellen Love, uh, but right. she's like eight. Yeah,
0: she she may she has learn. an excuse. Yeah,
1: so she tells Miss Pavlova, "Oh, Miss Miss Love is a dancer as well." And I'm like, "This is so fucked up." Like, well, except
0: I, I think it's Sonia actually. Sonia mutters something to Pavlova, and she's like, "Oh, you dance too." Oh yeah. Because then what Because then she. Because Alan says, it's more of a contemporary style. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, I've been to the Isadora Duncan School in Paris. And she's like, well, and that's when Beatrice says, she sings too. And then Pablo was like, oh, oh. you're one of those prostitute dancers. Yeah, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Uh,
1: I need a Sonia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's totally awkward. Yeah. Mr. Selfridge is trying to usher her away from this horrible, mm-hmm. you know, gaff. I, I
0: really enjoy, like, because, you know, this is clearly horrible, and everybody clearly knows that it is, and he has to have this balance of getting her out of there while still sort of keeping up the... The
1: facade. And that it's that like, God, is. she's doing this in front of his children. Yeah. Like, this is just so
0: awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And then Reg Taller stumbles in... And starts demanding to see Agnes, and she tries to drag him out, and in their struggle, he winds up f- crashing into a glass display case mm-hmm. and destroying it.
1: It's awful. It's yeah. just awful. And, like, seriously, where's your security? Yeah. You have but... a celebrity on the premises. And
0: you're in the middle of Edwardian London. This is not the first time a drunk has tried to stumble in. Yeah. You've got to have – you. Any store needs some way of keeping... Dress Barn totally did. And Dress
1: Barn, way less classy (laughs) than Selfridge's. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and uh, so... Mr. Selfridge tells Victor, who is down there giving out champagne samples for some reason. Anyway, not Victor's purview to be on Drunk Patrol. Yeah, He's not that strong-looking of a dude. Yeah, But whatever. Anyway, so he... Muscles Reg Tower downstairs mm-hmm. to the loading dock, where um, you know, Reg starts berating Agnes and saying, Oh, now you're out of a job, you're no better than me, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And she's like, Great, you're right. You ruined everything. What else do you want? He says, I want some respect for my flesh and blood. And she does my favorite thing she's ever done. Mm-hmm. She says, I don't respect you. I hate you. And then he goes to hit her, and then Victor beats the shit out of him, Yep, it's awesome. It is awesome. And, you know, he tells him to get out, and then, you know, he says to Agnes, she's like, oh, it's going to be all right. She's like, no. Clearly, you've never had an alcoholic family member. It's never going to be all right. She's going to keep coming back and ruining everything. And, you know, and she's saying, now I'm out of a job. And he says, uh, you know, go to Mr. Selfridge and explain, and just – I think this is probably where, like, I turn on her character because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what to think. But then she's like, I can't say anything to him. He'll think I'm scum. Mm. And it's just so yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. So she's going to leave. And you can, again, in this episode previously, we missed this scene somewhere. But this is where Victor saw george right. loading the blue van without the selfridge's livery right and she, and you know victor is a very savvy guy he's yeah. like what are you getting out of this and, and george is like my wage what else would i be getting yeah and so victor puts it together and he's like oh shit right like not only is he helping them steal he has no idea yeah um so he tells george to walk agnes out and he looks like he's gonna do something but he doesn't do anything right was a lot it is weird Anyway, that's horrible and awkward. And then, you know, back upstairs, Mr. Selfridge is doing a bit of manhandling on his own, dragging Ellen Love out Mm -hmm. of the store, telling her her contract is over. Yeah. Now, he should have really notified her of that by mail prior to this day, I think. Well, yes. Uh, Well, I think he was... Or even have Frank tell her.
0: Yeah, well, I I don't think he... He just wanted her to be on the back burner. And if she could have handled that, he would have uh, brought her back sometime. That's probably true. At least he thinks he would have. In some capacity,
1: but she has really screwed the pooch on this. And, you know, he's saying, my family was here. And that's when she's like, I didn't see your wife anywhere. Like being somebody's mistress 101. Yeah. You don't get to say shit like that. Yeah. You just don't get to say that. Yeah. And that's where she really crosses the line. And he says, Frank, Get her the fuck out of here. Yeah, he doesn't and- say fuck because it's people. <laughs> right? But I think it was implied.
0: Yeah, and Frank Edwards swooping in for the rebound. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually what don't. <laughs> a
1: loser. He reminds me of the main character in *Brideshead Revisited*. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, the Selfridges. Then the family all goes home. Oh wait, no, they give Pavlova one parting gift. They give her her own window. Yes, which is what Ellen Love was supposed to have. Yeah. And Ellen Love no longer gets because she is just a trifling bitch. Yeah. Um but Sonia and Pavlova are like swank operators because he's like, oh, I have one more gift to bestow. And Sonia's like, Oh, you said something about a sable. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah you get a sable too. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> yeah. you get a window. Uh, and he works it out with Mr. LeClaire. He's like, oh yeah, we're going to make that window tonight. Mm-hmm. And you know, Mr. Mr. LeClaire is like, yeah, great. I always make the window tonight. Like, uh, yeah. Fuck you. Um,
0: I haven't slept in weeks. <laughs> yeah.
1: So he, uh, he does that. And then, you know, he and the family go home to discover Rose who never showed up for tea mm-hmm. and they run in and Rosalie says, uh, you know, Ma, lady may clapped her hand. <laughs> yeah. You know, as right, right. She had suggested. And, you know, Beatrice is concerned and she's like, are you feeling better? And she's like, yes, yes, I'm much better. She's clearly very shaken up. Yeah. And Mr. Selfridge does take note of this. Yeah. Because You know, he's brought her the cape that he had an initial for her specially and he Mm -hmm. set up this whole thing and he doesn't understand what happened. Yeah. And she just says, I couldn't make it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think this is, I think. She wants him to know whether, and she may not even realize that. But I mean, the whole point of this rebellion was to get revenge. And if he never knows that she was, you know, hanging out with this painter, then she doesn't get her revenge, does she? But he
1: knows something's wrong. He he holds under her hand. You know, he lingers holding her hand. Yeah. Like his face is like, what's wrong? Is it is it the neglect? Because I was really gonna dial that back for a few weeks. Yeah. No. This is all. I already had a
0: penciled in. Like, don't don't worry.
1: Uh, so that basically just kind of gets left there. Yeah. But he's, he's upset. Yeah. Now we do see the Pavlova window. Sonia and Pavlova's uh, car mm-hmm. goes past. And it is beautiful. It is. It, you know, it's, it's a Leclerc production. Yeah. And we didn't talk about it, but in the previous episode, right. uh, we saw Miss Towler looking at the window for the Lily of the Valley perfume, mm-hmm. which, by the way, uh, since they started selling it, kept doubling. Each day they were doubling their sales, mm-hmm. which is a very good product. Yeah. Um. But Mr. Leclerc told Miss Teller this was her window. Yeah. So she got a window. Miss Love did not get a window. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a win, 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 win for
0: Mr. Leclerc.
1: Yeah. Um, But we can see that that window is still there. Mm -hmm. Agnes's window is still there and Pavlova's. It's just this beautiful vision of white. It's Mm -hmm. gorgeous. It is. Um, And, you know, just everyone's gathered around. Yeah. And it's awesome. Uh I think did Ellen Love see it as well? We get a shot of her seeing the window, right, and being angry. Or was I... that was that the other one? Was that the unforgettable? I don't
0: know. Okay. We, you know. She's angry a lot. She's mad. Yeah.
1: Anyway, Mr. Selfridge has decided to go back to the club and gamble. Yeah. And whereas before he had a more gleeful expression on his face, uh now he seems more sadder. Yeah. And that's not cool. No. So uh, yeah is this what? the end of Vadge? <laughs> uh
0: yeah a lot of a lot of kind of question marks at the end of this episode yeah. which, as it should be no
1: and i think i forget if it was this episode or the upcoming one but like I think it was these two episodes that just, they kick it up a notch from the premiere.
0: Yeah, they do. You know,
1: there's, I think a lot of table setting had to happen in the premiere. Yeah. The two hour premiere and this.
0: No, I think it was somewhere in this stretch that we started to feel like we were definitely on board.
1: Yeah. So we're really excited to see what happens, you know. Yeah. Subsequently. Yeah. uh, Despite the fact that we've already seen it. We're excited to dissect it in minute detail for you, cousin.
0: Exactly. And we're excited to see what happens after that. Absolutely. We haven't haven't seen the whole thing yet by any means.
1: No. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining us for this recap of Mr. Selfridge episodes three and four. Mm-hmm. And until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs, luncheon out.